Yo guys, what is going on? What is happening? Thank you so much for checking this podcast out. It's just Matt doing a pre-intro to the intro because we need to address something on the podcast. Um, We were talking today about our top 20 albums of all time that mean something to us as individuals. Um, In this particular list, um, I mention uh, the artist Marilyn Manson and his uh, album... Antichrist Superstar, um, and obviously this album uh, means a lot to me as a person because it is now my grew up listening to it and such and such. Um, however, it's come out in the news that he um, is allegedly a terrible human being um, and has done some truly horrific things towards women uh, and, and such, being an abuser towards women and things, and that's something we don't stand for, obviously, on this podcast, and we... We totally stand behind any victims of any kind of abuse, um, of any kind to any gender or any people. So, that being said, we are going to obviously preface this podcast with that warning. Uh, I've also edited out that particular segment of the podcast, um, just because it, it's the right thing to do, in my opinion. So obviously, um, there'll be a there'll be a particular point of the podcast. I do believe it's new. new it's number seven or number eight on the list where there will just be no uh, number seven or number eight from me personally. Uh, again, we'd like to thank you for your support for the podcast. Um, we hope you enjoy. All the best. Cheers. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nevermind Poddy podcast. Uh, welcome to your Tuesday. Hope your Tuesday is going well. I've got Reese and Andy here. As always, we've got the boys. How are you doing, both? Both of you? <laughs> oh my god, I said to throw it then. Yeah, good, 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 good. Just uh, as usual, literally just finished work. Randall says, got a drink, came straight back up into, into this. So uh, yeah, I, I think I'm ready to talk about some. Uh, some albums that we like. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. Um, my day off, so I've been looking forward to this podcast all day. Uh, I haven't stopped thinking about it, and I've tried to stop changing the list. And I've successfully <laughs> done it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As you will have read on the title, we are doing our most important records uh, down from 20 through to 1. Uh, in this particular podcast, we're doing 20 to 11, and then in the next podcast you'll hear in uh, a few hours will be the 11 to the 0, or number 1. Um, just quick shout-out and plug for the socials. Go and follow us at Nevermind Poly Podcast and all that kind of stuff. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Also, uh, in the show notes is our Patreon if you wish to support us, and also is Andy's uh, Stop Drinking for Charity um, link, just giving link thing down the bottom there as well, so go and check that out. Apart from that, anything you want to say before we get cracking? Um, no, I was just saying that I've literally, today's the 31st of January when we're recording this, and Sammy's, I've done I've done the dry January bit, now I've just got to do uh, Famished, no, Famished is when you're hungry, I was thinking like <laughs> Famished, <laughs> Famished February, I was thinking something like that, yeah. <laughs> First, 30 Feb. I'll just use the sub a bit of a, a thirsty Feb. <laughs> January is drag, doesn't it? 
Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I've never known of January worse than this one. It's like, oh. the thing is, like, yeah, it's, it's January's always, like, ages, but when you're doing it in lockdown, it's just, like, just so much worse. It's just, yeah. like, yeah, it's just, it's just gone so long. So, now we're going to hit February, that's when things, because February's really short, isn't it? So, mm. you know, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be, well, it'll probably feel like it's June, but it'll probably just be, yeah. yeah. I, I never... <laughs> I never thought I'd be wishing days of my life away just to get back to normality. Like, oh no, no. <laughs> well, I'm just looking there, like at the time um, of recording, like I think we've done something like six hundred thousand vaccines today. Nice. Which wow. is uh, so. By the time this comes out, you know, like it may be at a point where, uh, you know, you know, I'll be close to getting my vaccine. Hopefully, if things uh, stay on track. So I thought you were about to say downloads for a second. I was like, that's news to me. <laughs> Like I checked it. Oh my bank. god! Yeah, <laughs> like, that's news to me. Bloody hell! Um, <laughs> it's this one. This one went really well. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who wants to go first? No uh, one. I was gonna say I always go first. <laughs> I, mean, I can go first. I don't care. It's fine. I'll, I'll go first if needs be. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm gonna start this top 20 with a cop-out. Now, this is the only cop-out. There's a reason for being a cop-out. Um, this album doesn't actually exist. But if it did, <laughs> it's a Greatest Hits album, basically. Ooh, but it doesn't, right. it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as the Greatest Hits of this particular band. But if it did, this would be my top 20. Um, my number 20. And it is the Greatest Hits of the band Rush. Now, the reason why I've put this in here is because I am not the biggest Rush fan, but I do dip in and out of their catalogue, but they are my dad's favourite band of all time. And I would be lying if I said I have not heard and seen this band multiple times, like, throughout my childhood. My, my whole life has been interwoven with this band because of my dad's obsession with this band. A bit like I imagine how Kelsey is with Creeper. <laughs> like her poor life has just been intertwined with this band. Yeah. A bit a bit like me and my dad with um with Rush. So my twenty is Rush, the uh the prog masters. But yeah, are you what are you guys saying about are you guys fans or Um I... not really. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like them. It's just I, I, I'll be honest. I've heard Tom Sawyer, and I think that's a good song. I'll be honest. I, I've never really given them much chance. I'm not a big fan of prog, mm. really. So, um, yeah. So for me, it's not my sort of thing. But I can appreciate, like we said about uh, a certain metal band that I think will be coming up at some point. I like them, and I completely appreciate what they do for for music and stuff. But they're not. I've just not really given it much chance, but like I said, so I'm not going to really sort of say anything against them. Fair. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Rush, I haven't. I've never actually. I don't even dip my toe in the water. I've never actually. Don't think I can recall proper listening to them. And it's really weird for me because I'm, well, I'm a massive prog fan. So I was going to say they, um, they should be right up your street. <laughs> I imagine. I know, exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's one of those things. I've kind of just. I, I think I just need to give the time of day to it, and and yeah, maybe I can. Where can I find this greatest hits album? <laughs> well, there is, there is <laughs> that no, doesn't exist. There is actually a greatest hits album from like nineteen 
70 to like 1990 but obviously that doesn't span the whole career so i want to make a whole career greatest hits that's the only one i've had to like cheat on but apart from that <laughs> um i could not put them in because my dad would absolutely murder me but um, i mean on, on spotify there will be like a collection they always do that yeah, don't they? They yeah. Always do like a, this is rush so there probably will be something on there like, like some tom sawyer is an absolute banger so um yeah so yeah i i have you yeah, seen have, they, you, they, have you seen the South Park skit for that? No. I'll go on YouTube and type in Tom Sawyer South Park. It's really funny. <laughs> like it's it's great fun. Um who wants to go next? Two or seconds. I'll uh, I'll go next. Got him. If that's fine with Andy. Yeah. Um I've gone for one of my number twenty is The Streets, a grand uh a grand come uh for free. Um nice. and it's a band that if you told me about three years ago that I'd like, I, I, I don't know what I'd do. Because they're, they're completely not up my street. Like, well, pardon the pun. Pun intended. Um, <laughs> pun intended. Um, but I don't know. My, my mates, when we were in college, they just used to play it in the car. I just thought it was really, really catchy. Um, and I, I think I went home after college one night and just downloaded all of their music. It's really good feel-good music. And this album in particular just... Just really like a vit, like it's it's like chill but happy, and like party energy. Um, I think a lot of people would, if you like the streets, would think why well, I haven't put um, original parent material in there. Uh, but I think this album by them has a much more like variated kind of difference. Not that they do much; they, they're quite one dimensional. Um, but like Dry Your Eyes, such a like universally known song in the UK. Um, Blinded by the lights. I've never been to a club. I imagine that's what it's like in there. If you've taken some sort of hallucinogenic drug. Um, but yeah, no, it just kind of happy memories, you know, with like friends and stuff. I think that's important to mention that you said at the beginning there. Um, it may not be, all the albums we talk about may not be the the absolute standard highlight breakthrough artists uh, record. Uh, it, like you know, so for example, we're not. If you're picking Guns and Roses, we might not be picking Appetite for Destruction, for example. It might be, you know, Chinese Democracy or whatever, because it, it's what it means to us rather than their commercial breakthrough. So, um, the Streets are a band who I knew about when they blew up, but again, they were they were too indie for me, and you know, I respect what they've done. Um, what's the gent's name? The singer? I can't remember what his name is now. Top my head. Um, uh, Mike Skinner. Mike Skinner. Yeah, I, I like. I've I've seen him in like a lot of interviews and stuff, and I feel like he's got his head well and truly screwed on. And he knows he's very passionate when he speaks and stuff, so he's quite a cool dude. But his music doesn't really do much for him. But he seems like a decent bloke. So yeah, that's fair enough. And did you? Do you have you ever dabbled in the streets? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I haven't. I'm not a, a fan at all. It's 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 not for me. It's a bit too. I'll say too British, but it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it is too British. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a bit too sort of like, I don't know. But then I'm like, it's, it's, it's a very similar sort of like vein as what I sort of see as Frank Carter. But Frank Carter is a bit more sort of towards my sort of music, I think. But yeah, um, again, I appreciate their importance. But yeah, it's, 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 it isn't for me, unfortunately. It's a, it's a bit oily cockney, isn't it? Like cool blind yeah. governor. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, it's I just it's not for me, but it's it's really weird. He's like he's like a poet more than like a, a rapper, but because he he doesn't he doesn't really sing and he doesn't really rap. He kind of just like speaks and he speaks really random shit. 
that I can kind of get behind. So that's kind of why I've kind of gravitated towards them. Fair. Yeah. Cool. Andy, what's cool. up for your number 20? My number 20 is Grave Times by The Defiled. What's a banger? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love The Defiled. If it was between this or Daggers, it was quite difficult, but I thought I'll go for Grave Times because for me, it's the uh, the album obviously got me into it. So first, it's one of their two albums. Um, they're definitely a band that I feel split up before their time. You know, they should be, uh, yeah, they're brilliant. I first saw them live um, when they opened up for the Murder Dolls years ago. And the, the bill was The Defiled, Black Veil Brides, and then uh, the Murder Dolls in, in Middlesbrough. And it was like, it was quality gig other than Black Veil Brides, who were shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, that you know, uh, there's, the songs on there, like you've got like uh, Call to Arms, which has, um, there's like an amazing bit at the end where everything sort of like just sort of rises and then comes out. And then like, for me, it's one of those albums that there's not a single bad song on there. Um, and yeah, I think for me, The Defiled, like, you know, they are a band that I, if they were still together now, they probably would be higher up. Uh, but yeah, I think it's because I've obviously gone on to listen to other stuff. I haven't actually listened to The Defiled in a while, but I, I absolutely love The Defiled. I've met them all. They're all really, really nice people as well. Really nice people. Um, yeah, quality album. Uh, they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you haven't checked out The Defiled and you like any sort of music that we like and stuff like metal and things, you know, you've got to check The Defiled out because they are fantastic. And hopefully if enough people listen to them, they'll get back together again, even though they are or doing their own thing. But yeah, they're an awesome band and it's an awesome album. Every song's fantastic on that. On that. Yeah, shout out um, Blood Cells and The Resurrectionists off that record. Absolutely huge songs. Um, so again, a bit like Andy, I was at the Murder Dolls Blaffer Brides Defiled show, but in Norwich on that tour. Um, and again, I met the Defiled, met Blackfire Brides, and met Joey Jordison of Slipknot, who's played guitar in Murder Dolls. So that was a bloody good day, I tell you. How mad was that? Was that tour like the Joey Jordison? It's obviously like the Murder Dolls, I think, are quite a big band, but. The fact that Joey Jordison was in like a little place in Norwich, in like you know this know. tiny little club in, in Middlesbrough, uh, Middlesbrough <laughs> Empire, and they just said like, and, and you're literally going like, that's Joey Jordison of well, the time of Slipknot. It was absolutely mind blowing at the time, but yeah, yeah. sorry, go on that. No, it's fine. I was to say, um, and I do believe um, that Stitch, the guitarist, is now in a band called Low Lives. Yeah, I do believe they're yeah. called, um, and the AVD who played keys in the band uh, is now part of red method so definitely go and check them out if i had to define the defiled i would say they're kind of heavy metal but like you know when electronica started infiltrating music so this start they this album came out in 2011 uh so obviously bring me horizon done sepatella what 2015 and like brought that kind of electronic y kind of synthy stuff in. Like uh so they've they've described themselves on Wikipedia as metalcore, groove metal, industrial metal. So like that industrial metal would probably be the best uh genre I'd put them in, but also genre fucking great. <laughs> yeah, well like when we when we saw him live, um like uh, Vince the bassist, he um literally jumped on while he was playing he literally jumped with his bass still intact and like just jumped straight on top of me and Nicholas we were right in the front of the crowd and afterwards he came out in front of it it was the guy I landed on it was like oh it was me he's like alright yeah cool but like yeah when they all came on stage because at the time I was stitch look quality because he had like Nicky Six hair so I was like yes and like yeah I just think they're, they're a fucking brilliant band so yeah um, yeah, yeah brilliant, brilliant awesome. band 
Cool. Is it my 19? Mm-hmm. Cool. My 19. Um, this is the... F- so, I was saying to the boys before we start recording, a lot of mine are quite contemporary artists, and this is one of the biggest contemporary artists uh, out of America. Um, female-fronted Paramore. Uh, I've gone with the album Riot, because it came out at the... This is gonna a theme that's going to run quite a long quite a lot than this it came out at exactly the right time for me when i sort of first i was in uh high school around that time and i remember when misery business came out and it being the biggest thing just ever like it was so inescapably massive that song and obviously they don't play that song now live at least because um Hayley Williams has since rejected her use of the word um, whore in the song, saying it's misogynistic against women, so they don't actually play it live, which is a great shame. But this album is fantastic, and I had the biggest crush on Hayley Williams, which did help um, when (laughs) this record dropped. Um, But it is an undeniable record, and they have had an undeniable career, So, and it is their breakout record, but it's just fucking great. You two fans... Um, God, I've been like such a downer on yours. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, it's fine. Um, to be fair, I do, I do, I, I listen to some of those songs. I think those songs, like you said, like Misery, um, Misery Business, and uh, that's what you get and stuff. I actually didn't mind Hard Times. I actually thought Hard Times for me was actually like a good song. Um, but yeah, again, but they're not, they're not for me, and I'm happy to. Do you know what Hard uh, Times reminds me of? Like, well, Hard Times reminds me, if you've gone out, this is so niche, and I apologise, but, like, you've gone out on a Friday night, and you've got a bit drunk, you've gone home to, you've gone home to your woman, you know, everything's great, you wake up in the morning, you haven't got a hangover, and you walk into the kitchen, and she's making your breakfast, and you almost, like, slide across the, slide across the tiles, and you just dance into that tune, like, do you know what I mean? And, like, you sort of, like, twiddle around, you're dancing with it. Oh, it's just awesome. It's such a good song. It's such, like, a feel-good song. Yeah, yeah. So, I really like it. Um, yeah. It's fine. What about Reese? What do you yeah, think? Pa- uh, Paramore, for me, I, 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 I haven't actually gone in on them before a few weeks ago um, because Jade's been the, the big Paramore uh, uh fan in our relationship she but she really likes paramore which is kind of out of character because she doesn't really like kind of rock metal kind of punk kind of that it, side of music um but she's kind of played songs around me and i thought oh, that was really good and obviously i've always always known about misery business that song has stood the test of time and uh and it's still a massive hit isn't it like you get anyone sings along to misery business if that comes on and Paramore are one of the only bands left really on my bucket list of bands I still want to see live. And I'm yet to see them live. Also, shout out um, Hayley Williams' solo project, which came out earlier this year, or last year, should I say. Yeah, that, which that was, was actually really, really good. Really good. So, um, yeah, that is my number 19. My number 19 is the, the first entrant of anything from the indie rock kind of area and that is the the rising amazing super talent that is sam fender um sam fender in 2019 probably my most recent album on this list uh released hypersonic missiles um which was 
kind of a culmination of a few years' work. I think the first singles that come out for it were like 2017 um, with Play God, which has been blasted on Radio 1 for the last like four years or whatever. Um, and the, the, the album is just full of really, really good hits. Like um, you've got uh, Dead Boys, uh, The Borders, Hypersonic Missiles, the title track. All of them are just such like feel-good um kind of i don't know they, they, they're all they all represent um to me like again it's like times with friends and stuff um sam fender his voice is just like i i, I don't know how to explain it he's like what well, he's got a geordie accent but he sings like a bloody <laughs> Uh, an angel like he's, oh. <laughs> sounds, is, is it like I, the, is it like the Adele effect where Adele can sing yeah, beautifully yeah. but as soon as she opens her mouth to speak she's like oh I love and I'm like oh my like, god <laughs> yeah I, I love yeah, I love that um, that effect <laughs> especially when it comes to Adele it's brilliant yeah and also with, with, with this album it's actually really political but he comes at it from a political standpoint of like where he's kind of he doesn't really have a political stance but he just talks about the things that's happening around him um so he's got a song white privilege um and uh, throughout the album he kind of talks about like war and stuff like that what happens in the world and how the ordinary people just get kind of treated like um like we don't know much um and that the government kind of just overrules us but he kind of mixes that with that kind of almost like a pop energy which is like which makes it gives it that feel good vibe but he always brings it back down throughout the album talking about serious themes and stuff like on play god he's on about um all like the the horrible things that happen in the world but it's so catchy and that's one of the the, the big drawing points for him is he's just everything he writes is so catchy and he did um he did a cover of back to black which he did that song some fucking justice <laughs> like really really good cover of that song but yeah if you guys heard or have you guys heard of Sam Fando or I've heard I've of, heard of it. yeah I've heard of it. I was about to say what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> um so when when it comes to like so obviously for those that aren't quite initiated with the podcast, predominantly I'm the more heavy metal, extreme metal guy, Reese is more the indie guy, and Andy's generally the more Oh, how do I put all all rounder? Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say older music, which sounds really horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, he's he's more the all rounder. But um, like, uh, what I will say is, people like Sam Fender, like extreme metal and, and heavy metal, can get tiresome. And like, I take a lot of quips from what Reese tells me when it comes to music, because he's younger, which isn't really the point. But like, he's got his ear trained more to the ground than what me or Andy might have done. Because you'll see on mine, a lot of my stuff is stuff that I got into when I was Reese's age. Because you kind of you develop your taste, and as we've discussed before, you like you get older and you sort of get more and more stuck in your ways in terms of I'm not going to listen to anything past this decade yeah. because you know all pop music's rubbish which we'll get to in my list later on um but sam fender i have heard a couple of his songs and yeah he's just really if i want something more chill but it's got that little bit of bite to it because yeah. like you say it is pop music but it's got that sensibility about it where he's talking about real things like you know for example like um 
I contrast that. I absolutely love the uh, Jude Leaper album. That's not on my list, don't oh. worry. But she mm. writes pop songs about pop things. Do you know what I mean? And they've yeah. not really got much of substance to them in terms of their subject matter. But that's absolutely fine. They're a pop hit. Like, would you know, same reason why I love Katy Perry and um, Taylor Swift. But if I want something with a bit of edge, but also it's got that message underneath it, yeah, Sam Fender is definitely a good shout. So I know a little bit about him, but not not too much to say. To say, you know. Yeah, I'll be honest. I've I've heard of him, but I've never really. I've not given him much chance. But again, I don't know if it's like I don't mind indie music. Like for me, like indie music um, in. Obviously, at the nineties indie music, obviously Oasis, Blur, and all those, and then obviously there was the like two thousand and six revival when it was well, say about two thousand and four when you had like Franz Ferdinand and uh, who else like when the Killers were just getting started, Razor, and, Light. Uh, Razor Light, and the Kooks and like all those sort of bands. Which actually, to be fair, I always sort of said it was a soundtrack to mine and Nicholas relationship because that was everything that was coming out at the time. So I do like indie music. I've just like not given much of the newer stuff as much uh, as much chance yeah really. I'd, a lot of newer indie kind of music does attract a lot of knobheads um but sam fender's kind of an exception to the rule like he's been kind of built up in in the uk as kind of the the the, the new wave of i guess i don't even know he doesn't really have a genre i guess it is indie but like he's, he's been endorsed by elton john like he had him playing at his house and all, and all this um, and if I, I would recommend to listen to Sam Fender because it is kind of something really fresh and new that you don't really hear all the time. And that's the thing, like you know, he's not. I don't think he's. I don't think he's factory made either. Like yeah, a lot of no. pop music can be like made by committee and made by Simon Cowell and crew. And he's just he's he comes across as a, you know a lot different to that. Kind of gives me uh, not the same style because their voices are very different, but like Jake Buck kind of style. Like yeah, I really exactly liked that. him when he yeah. broke onto the scene. He was really different. So yeah, so- solid shout. Cool. So my number nineteen is just as the defiled opened for him in Middlesbrough. They've also opened for him in this uh, in this podcast for my albums. And then number nineteen is Women and Children. No, it's not. That's the second album. Beyond the Valley of the Murder Dolls by the Murder Dolls. Um, They're just brilliant. I love, like, I love, um, like, if I if I was going to put myself in anything, I do like metal music, but I think I gravitate towards punk quite a lot more. Um, And the first time I actually heard of the Murder Dolls is when they did their um, White Wedding uh, cover. I was just watching the video. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" and then I got a CD on, on the front of Kerrang! Uh, one week, and it had uh, I Take Drugs, and like, I used to listen to it on there uh, on, all the time, and I got their album. And I remember, like, at the time, I was really into, like, glam music. So, and they do have, like, a glamish sort of edge. So I was sort of just listening to it over and over again, and there's some, like, you know, the, it's quite a long album as well. That's one thing I do like about it. It's a really long album. It's, like, 21 well, see, it's long. Yeah, it's, 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 20, 20, it's forty-six minutes, but it's like twenty, uh, twenty-one songs long. Mm. And like some of the lyrics in it, so like you got "Die My Bride," and it's like I'd rather cut you than the wedding cake and your blood and guts on my rented tux. And I do, I do, I do want to kill you from death to us part. I'll tear us <laughs> apart. And then it goes into like a rib and then you've got "Grave Robin USA," which starts off with uh, the gang 
uh, digging up a corpse. And then, uh, like, you know, it, before it goes to the song, you hear someone going, like, oh, I'm first, like, obviously, I'm going to go on this dead body. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you've got um, Dawn of the Dead, which is obviously um, from the film Dawn of the Dead. They're, like, singing about zombies and people hate me, which is, uh, I absolutely love that song. It's probably my favourite song on the track. Uh, Twist My Sister, uh, you know, uh, Dressed to Depress, Kill Miss America. Um let uh, I love to say fuck. I love to say fuck. It's a brilliant song. It's literally just goes. It's I love to say fuck when I'm driving in my car. Fuck when I'm walking in the fucking park. And it's just <laughs> that really sort of like I discovered the Murder Dolls when they come out two thousand and two. So when I discovered it, I think it was at the right point for me to have that sort of uh, angst, sort of ridden, sort of thing. Like you know, I, I was like I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. Like and I was just sort of like. Yeah, I loved them. And, it, like, you know, it's obviously they opened, um, they played in Middlesbrough, and like, uh, they were fantastic. And, like, they've only got the two albums. Again, both are really long. I love both the albums. But I think for me, Beyond the Valley of the Murder Dolls, I remember when I listened to them, I was like, oh, this, this is going to be, like, the heaviest band I ever listened to. Because I was quite, again, into sort of glam sort of music. But I think this band actually has a lot, it did a lot more for me than I thought it would do in terms of, like, glam music and then sort of got me into like that sort of horror punk and then like heavier lyrics and heavier like sounding like that sort of screamy sort of vocals Wednesday 13's uh, amazing singer I love all of his solo stuff as well so yeah uh, Beyond the Valley of the Murder Dolls obviously you must be a fan Max you've been to see him yeah so it was weird so I got into them on Women and Children Last which is their second album um, if you are wondering and curious about Murder Dolls, um, go and check out uh, My Dark Place Alone off the second record, which is fucking brilliant. Um, oh, the song Nowhere as well uh, off the second album. The song Nowhere is amazing. It's, they're so good, and it's just like, I want more because I'm selfish, because they're like such a good band. So um, they, uh, they're just, yeah, a brilliant, brilliant band. And obviously having the draw of, you know, the drummer of Slipknot on rhythmic guitar, just for sheer bants and nothing really else, you know what I mean? Um, and if you're a, a fan of Wednesday 13, just an absolutely uh, brilliant individual, makes brilliant music. And we've spoken a lot about horror movies as well on this podcast, obviously being horror fans. Murder Dolls are literally the case in point of metal meeting horror. Like, they go hand in hand like... You know, salt and pepper. They just, they just, the perfect combo for each other. And um, yeah, they just, it's a brilliant record. They're both brilliant records, and I really want them to come back really badly. <laughs> Again, because I'm selfish. But yeah, absolutely brilliant record. I've, uh, I'm one of those other bands. I've just never, never properly listened to them. Um, but from Andy's kind of explanation of them and some <laughs> explaining some of the songs his renditions of them i think i might just go check them out yeah I, I definitely would check out um my dark place alone and summertime suicide which i didn't realize they put summertime suicide out as a single which it's so like the guitar is so pop heavy but the lyrics are so like depressingly grim so are they are, you, are like that anyway like, sorry you're I was going to say, are they are they meant to be slightly like a comedic band, or are they just like? A... I think there's a certain tongue in cheek. Right. It's okay. not like it's not Steel Panther comedy. No, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's very much. It's like obviously it's very. I'd say it was like B movie music. 
So it's made very seriously for that genre. So, you know, they know the sort of band they are and they take that very seriously. But it's like the same way they're comedic in the same way that a B-movie might be funny. Um, but, like, it's not, like, it's not schlocky. It's not, like, done to, like, you know, they can do songs that's, like, it's not, like, to the point where Steel Panther is where they've sort of just rinsed that trick to fucking death now. As much as I do like Steel Panther. But, like, Murder Dolls do it a lot more seriously, you know, than... Uh, than like the likes of Steel Panther would be, but it doesn't mean that it's not funny because it is. But it's like it's done seriously, and it's uh, it's just really catchy. For like, obviously, for like the the lyrics are so catchy. They're, and they said their cover of uh, White Wedding is is it's fantastic. It's, it's so good. Also, fun little tidbit on this record: they were on top of the pops. Yeah, doing was it White Wedding? I'm pretty sure it was White Wedding. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if yeah. you Google it, like 2002 or whatever, amazing. Back yep. on top of the pops was a thing. <laughs> cool. It's your number nineteen, Reese. No, it's your number nineteen. Is it? Oh, okay. Your number eighteen. My number eighteen. 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 Yeah. Okie dokie. Uh, my number eighteen is a band who I will fight to the death because they are so so underrated, and they are Canada's best export. Period. It's Billy Talent. Oh, Absolutely yeah. love Billy Talent. You were going to say uh, Justin Bieber then. Uh, and I've, <laughs> I've in particularly gone for Billy Talent 2 um, because it is the best record. They Is it the best record? It's the, it's the commercial breakthrough, but the reason why I've picked it is because, again, uh, I was in school uh, back when... LimeWire and illegally trading CDs and stuff was a thing. Um, shout out my friend Matt, who was in my band, who's the guitarist in my band, and uh, he done me a copy of this record uh, on on disc and said, "Put that on, you'll enjoy that." And I distinctly remember the fondest memories of me and my brother playing Resident Evil Four on the PlayStation Two while listening to this record as the soundtrack and having the most amount of fun. Um, it's a phenomenal record. Um, Devil in a Midnight Mass, Red Flag, This Suffering. Um, what's the other? Uh, Fallen Leaves off this record. Is oh, I love Fallen Leaves. You know the the fact that Devil in a Midnight Mass is essentially about uh, about the Catholic Church abusing little boys, but the riff that opens that fucking song is so heavy and so wicked. Um, they're just the best fucking band. Uh, there's a lot of arguments about um, the singer's voice, and he's very got a very eclectic voice. Some people say he can't sing, and he's not. They're not a fan. I personally think he's absolutely great. They're great songwriters. They are so much fun live. Um, I saw him in Download. Well, I've seen him many times, but I saw him when it sticks out. Download 2016, pissing down with rain. And I had chips at the back of the field. My first time I down, I was watching him and singing every song. It was fucking great. Yeah, big up Billy Talent. Loads more people need to listen to them because they are amazing. Yeah, his voice is definitely. Uh, you can listen to, to to his voice and you're going right. That's Billy Talent. I know it is. You know, mm. it's uh, yeah. Um, Red flag and like um, fallen leaves. Uh, I mean, fallen leaves is a fucking earworm. Mm. Like when I at work, um, when I used to work on the phone to insurance for home insurance, we used to offer cover for fallen trees. 
Right. So people would ring up and they would say, oh, am I covered in falling trees? And then the rest of the day, I'd be like, falling leaves, falling leaves on the ground. And that was it. My whole day, I was like, as soon as I went, oh, falling trees, I went, fucking hell, here we go. Billy Talent's going to be a Which isn't a bad thing. It could be worse things in your head. But like, yeah, every time we used to talk about it, I was like, no, Billy Talent time. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't mind Billy Talent. I think it's, a lot of their songs are quite catchy. I haven't heard that album. Um, my mate's massively into them. So every time I'm in his car, that's all that's on. <laughs> like, constantly. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I had to pick uh, an album that then I prefer Billy Talent 3 as opposed to Billy Talent 2. Um, but number two is the one because, I say, that connection being in that right, right age... Uh, playing Resident Evil, my brother just rinsing the hell out of it. It's a fucking great record. Yeah, what is your number eighteen? Eighteen. Uh, no, Reese. No, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah me. So I might get a lot of stick for this, but it's this. I've gone for Linkin Park Hybrid Theory, oh. and it's very. It's quite low down, but that's because. I can't remember the last time I went proper through the album listening to it. Um, and I actually think I prefer Living Things as an album. Because I really like that album. <laughs> I, I really... For, the, for the record, I'm saying nothing because I'll be talking about it later. But that's a mental hot take. <laughs> Absolutely mental. But yeah, yeah I know it's a hot take. But <laughs> that, that's just what I've really been feeling. Like that, that, that album's, I find really good but I remember when I've been throughout growing up when I wasn't into rock and metal always hearing songs from Hybrid Theory like and always getting them stuck in my head before I knew what heavy metal was before even around me knew like like they were always on the radio always on like people in my class would always like sing Crawling like it's because it's just just a banger and it it is just they're era defining like what is it they're best-selling debut album apart from Appetite for Destruction. Something like that. It's got some in, mad in rock. Yeah, like, mad figures. And that's just because it, it didn't just appeal to one specific pe- person or people. It, well, it, it was because it was... Across the board, wasn't it? It was the height of new metal. It was like, it was yeah. the pinnacle that is new metal. Like, and what... I mean, Andy's probably the only person that could really get a grasp on this, being the old one out of three, is what is... What it's like being at that time, like having metal in the charts, if that makes sense. Because we obviously, Reese has never experienced having, you know, metal being or rock being the predominant thing. It's always been pop music or rap or whatever it may be. But like back in 2000, it was just that was the thing. Rock was the dominant force in music. So. But yeah, I'm gonna say very quiet on this album because we'll talk about it later. I was gonna say it's probably the one I put a bet on that is in all three of our things. Uh, you know, I th- yeah. So I'm gonna. That's why I've not said anything either because I'm okay, like, yeah, right. cool. <laughs> right, okay, cool. Moving on, then we'll talk about it in a little while. I'm sure. Um, what is your number seven? Eighteen. Eighteen. Oh god, I'm rubbish at this. <laughs> Did you say seven? I don't know. Rubbish at this. What's your number seven? Right, my number seven is. <laughs> I'm actually going to go into that yet because I'm looking forward to speaking about that. So, number, oh, I'm, this is the first one where I'm like upset about how low down it is. 
And this is what I said to you guys the other day when we were having like a little chat after a podcast we recorded. It's like, it's funny how your favourite band, because I tried staying away from like greatest hits albums. So I was like, uh, I don't know where to put this. But then like, I sort of then went through, I just put loads of albums down. I went, right, would I rather listen to this one over this one? Would I rather listen to that one over that one? Uh, so because I was trying to stay away from greatest hits albums, this is, if it was greatest hits, it would be higher up, but I tried to sort of stay away. So number 18 is Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue. Um, Motley Crue are one of my favourite bands. They're one of the bands I've seen live probably about the most or second most amount of times, I think. Um, you know, I saw them like, when they came back in 2005 when they played in Manchester. In fact, I've seen every time I've seen them has been in Manchester except for the last two times, which was at Download and Newcastle. Uh, the reason why Shout of the Devil is probably the best out of the lot for me is that it's the more metal one. It was between that and Too Fast for Love, but Too Fast for Love is quite punky. But um, Shout of the Devil for me is a much darker sort of. Uh, um, album so it's got obviously the song shout the devil on which is an absolute banger you've got looks at kill you've got helter skelter which is obviously a cover by the beatles but um i mean if you listen to uh, i know beatles is like a bit of a swear word on this uh <laughs> on this podcast <laughs> Max said, but helter skelter is a metal song before metal was a thing it's fantastic and again like, it's probably one of the times like, i love motley crew but the original is Amazing. Got Too Young to Fall in Love, which was actually the first Motley Crue song I heard when playing GTA Vice City. Um, and uh, I think a lot of things that people get my age, I saw like Matt Noddy said that it was GTA Vice City when you had the, v, the V-Rock station on. Mm. A lot of the music that I like now was just from playing that over and over and over <laughs> and over and over again. And like my dad loved Motley Crue and he's seen him like a million times. My stepdad this is. So when uh, we moved in with him, he, he played us a lot of Motley Crue and this is where my glam sort of taste sort of came from um, and yeah Motley Crue for the longest time were my favourite band uh, and like, I still absolutely love them now you know we, I noticed one day we'll do a chat about music books and music films based biopics and stuff like that uh, and those will be heavily featured then uh, you know my name uh, on like YouTube and stuff is uh, Soldier76 and the 6 SIXX part comes from Nicky Six because I love him and I want to, I want to be a bassist because of Nicky Six. They were the first band I ever saw live. Um, I, I love the Motley Crue and the, the Motley Crue. I sound like an old person. Are you listening to the Motley Crue again? <laughs> what, I, do, I, do, I didn't want to correct you because you were on a roll, but I just kept laughing. Really <laughs> While playing on your, on your game station. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, um, yeah uh, and, and like I said, this album's the best for me. If, I said if I wanted, if I was going to do great hits, I would have just gone on for much longer. And I thought I need to keep it back a bit. So uh, yeah, for me, Shout the Devil's the best because it's the most metal. It's the second album, so they had like a bit of production on it. Um, like I said, the music videos from that era, fantastic. And it's uh, yeah, it's a great album, and I, and I love it. And again, this was my favorite album for like the longest time as well. So yeah, that's my number 18. Yeah, Motley Crue, if it was me personally, I've not gone in on them enough to have anything other than the greatest hits, but give me a greatest hits by Motley Crue, a a case full of beer, and I'm guaranteed to have a good time. Like, it's just music that's to drink to and to party to, to 
fuck to to get everything to really in it. Like, <laughs> drive your car really fast too. It's just really good music, isn't it? Well, they've actually got an album called, well, it's a greatest hits album called uh, Music to Crash Your Car too. Oh, well, there you go then. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm the same as Matt. Like, um, I think I went in on them after, well, same as a lot of people probably after The Dirt came out, watched that and I thought, I really want to live in the 80s. I want to live in the 80s. Like, <laughs> like, and that, like, their music sums up the film. Like, I, if that makes sense. Like, they did, they really did justice in that film to kind of link their music with the kind of scenery and the, and the kind of colours that matched with with their kind of music and stuff. Yeah, they stuck to the book. I mean, I've read the book a million times over. Like, it's my original copy is in the attic at the moment, and it's like it's literally in half. It's like a, it's a it's a paperback and it's literally split in half and there's like all the pictures you know with like in autobiographies you've got the the showing yeah. pictures in the middle they've all come out and like yeah absolutely destroyed the books I've read it that much and like, the, uh, it sticks quite close to it like for me personally I would have liked to have seen like a series like a four part you know four part series with like you know each episode being like two hours long because that's how much the book covers but I felt the the film was competent you know I thought it did exactly what. It got all the right points. I just don't. I felt like it was like, and this happened, this happened, this happened. But it was very, yeah, it was very fast paced. Yeah, yeah. But then that's what they kind of are when you listen to their music. It's quite fast paced. Yeah, so. yeah. That's that's yeah. the thing with um with Motley Crue. They were they were writing about what they had and what was around them, and what around them in the eighties was a lot of debauchery, a lot of drugs, and a lot of women. So, um, what I feel they've done a really good job of in the film is obviously. They're now they're not in their they're not in the nineteen eighties anymore. They're not teenagers. Well, they, they were. So I feel like some of it they want to kind of shy away from and go. Actually, maybe that didn't quite happen as it <laughs> happened. But you can't you can't rewrite your own history. But um, unless you're Motley Crue, you can just leave some bits out on the cutting room floor. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, my number seventeen. Um is me and Andy have spoken about this band quite a lot, and I, for the life of me, cannot understand why this band are not massive. Uh, and that band is Vault Beat. And I've gone with Seal the Deal, and that's Boogie, purely on the basis of... I've told this story on the podcast before, but um, driving to my first Downer Festival with my friend uh, Johnny and Dan, I wasn't driving, but um, Johnny was driving, and he brought two CDs with him, he bought this CD and he bought Royal Republic's first album for a four-hour one-way trip. So, safe to say, I got, I got nicely acquainted with Holby on that trip. And every time I listen to this record, it evokes memories of download. It, it's just one of those things um, that I now associate this record with. And also, this record absolutely slams. Like, if you like Metallica, Johnny Cash... And that kind of European tinge thrown in for good measure, like they're just great, and they're great at writing like rock hits. And why they are not massive in the UK like they are in Europe is beyond my understanding, to be quite honest. But yeah, that's my number seventeen. What you guys said about Volbeat? I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my days! Okay. I, I don't. I really don't like them. What don't you like <laughs> them? I, I mean, you can't just the sound. Okay, what about the just, sound? Just, like, it just doesn't appeal to me. I, I can't. I don't find it catchy at all. I just, you know, it's just some songs come on and you're just like, nah. 
Are you mental? <laughs> if you listen to Lola Montez, like I was literally going to say Lola Montez. That was a that was the that's like, was that's an absolute tune. Um, Devil's Bleed, still counting, I'm still counting. Yeah, still. I've tried listening to them live, like through like on YouTube and stuff. That didn't help at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's mad. That's mad. But uh, no, I do. Everyone... I do what. Yeah. I do one thing to say. You know, you're saying about. How you went on a, the to download for four hours with the two albums? Yeah, <laughs> it's slightly worse. So when I was here, when I was about uh, thirteen, I went to Paris, mm. and I I got on the bus. We were going all the way to Paris. I don't know how many hours it is, but fucking long hour, a long amount of hours. It's probably like in total amount of journey, it was probably like twelve hours in the bus, like to get to the hotel and then everything. I realised when I was on the bus, I only had one song on <laughs> on my on my on my phone, and that was that was I think it was Nick Jonas, Jealous. Fucking hell! <laughs> I, th- I think at that point I would have just broken my headphones. I no <laughs> joke. I, I listened to it probably about f- maybe sixty, seventy times. I still get jealous <laughs> because. I didn't want to use uh, YouTube or anything because um, well, I, I couldn't turn it off or whatever um, and I didn't want to waste my battery and I didn't want to use up my data. So my only option <laughs> was to use the same song over and over again to try and drown out the bus. I have a quick question. Was this, was this a school thing, did you say? Yeah, it was a school thing. I was going to say, why the hell did you get the bus like, why did you not fly? Like, I was going to say, does Wales not have airports? Does we it not that to, developed? We, like, it was like a, a school trip with like this Welsh thing where it was like three of us from our school and loads of people, schools around Wales, and we had to speak Welsh the whole time. I mean, we didn't, but <laughs> in what, in Paris. <laughs> yeah, no, we did. We had to speak Welsh in Paris to the teachers. How far did that get you? Well, trying to order a croissant actually, just in Welsh. There's actually quite a bit of crossover uh, really? between Welsh and French. Not that they understand it, but like, a quick one. This is a really weird tangent now. Like window, <laughs> like window in French, I think is finestre, finestre, but in Welsh it's finest. So. <laughs> There's quite a bit of a cross. I, I, I really the hope we have is, a spike in French listeners after this podcast goes out. Oh, there will be. Trust me. <laughs> for, for someone so young, the amount of times you've gone, right, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Once I was a, a mascot for the Sweden's women football team, and then I was like, <laughs> ended up in France with Nick Jonas. Like, um, I don't know if that, uh, I don't want to go too much into that one, but I don't know if that one's going to come out before this one. I think it will do, Alex, it's out on Tuesday, that one. Yeah, so people will know what I'm on about. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that's brilliant. I forgot whose goat was. I was talking about Volby. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, Volby are brilliant. Like uh, I said, me and Matt have talked about it before. You know, they're an amazing band. Like for me, still counting is um, that my favourite song of theirs. But then you've got Lena Montez. You've got yeah, they're, and they're fantastic. They're, they're a very very good band. They're not a band like I would. I'll be honest, they're not in my top twenty at all because I am probably more of a the greatest hits sort of fan of them. Mm. But the greatest hits one, you can go to a show and I'll know every word that they, mm. they play because, you know, I, I love, you know, I've got like uh, playlists of Volby playlists on my Spotify and they are, yeah, they're brilliant. Uh, and yeah, they should be bigger 
They should be. They, they should be. Uh, I felt like they were handed a, a massive disservice in the download uh, one year. I think I spoke about it on a previous podcast. It might have been what me and Matt did. Yeah, so say it's one when they had uh, Blackstone Cherry play on this on the third stage of the surprise band at the same time as Volbeat on the main stage, it's like they're they're very similar sounds. Yeah. So why would you have them clash? And like, yeah, it was just uh, it was it was a really frustrating day for for them because that there should have been thousands of people there, and it all fucked off to the third stage, which was uh, a big shame. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run on too much about it because we spoke about it on the download one uh, on me news on Andy, but. Why they are not headliners or downloaded already is beyond me because that would be a home run in terms of yeah. booking. Like every single year, they put a huge crowd, just mental. But anyway, that's for a different conversation. Day of camp, come yeah. on, day of camp. That's, that's, a, that's a conversation for a, a previous podcast we've already had. Um, yeah, your number <clears throat> 17. My number 17 is The Powerhouse is Black Peaks with All That Divides from their, tw- their 2018 album. <laughs> what a I'm fucking so ha- album. I'm so happy because I couldn't get Black Peaks on here. Oh, <laughs> like, I've mentioned that I'm um, a prog fan, um, but my main problem I have with prog and listening to it constantly is it's just not catchy enough and you can't just put it on. Black Peaks smashed that because they have like the essence of prog that I love, which is the build-up and like the the sheer amazing musicianship but they just are so catchy like all the songs on this album like um, I can't sleep into Midnight Sun into Electric Fires like and then into Ether. it's just like that run of songs amazing I'm surprised that you didn't go for Statues their first record to be fair I, I much prefer this record do you? okay I think I, th- I think that I, I, don't get me wrong I love that album mm. as well yeah, yeah no. I think it's I think it's because this one kind of leans more into the, the kind of um they kind of lean more into the prog and they kind of mellow out a bit more. Yeah, it's more of a so. melodic kind of uh, thing. But I think the highlight of this song, and I think it goes and uh, it doesn't go noticed enough, is, is, is Fate, the, the final song mm. on the album. What a fucking tune. The start of that song is probably one of my favourite intros to a song. And the build-up after that, oh, chef's kiss. Like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I know... I know I guess we'll st- we'll start with 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 Andy because he because I, I know Matt knows a lot about Black Peaks and stuff, but I've never heard Andy's opinion on. Um, I about I know I know you got Will who's in Black Peaks Peaks, and I think that's about it really. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, I've I've never given them any chance. Again, I, I don't couldn't tell you any of their songs, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah. I know they're good. It's just like I've just not, never given them any of a chance, really. So it's one of those yeah. bands I keep thinking I'll listen to them one day, and when I go on Spotify and end up listening to Ghost instead or something. So um, I, I, I think for me, it's one of those things. You know, when you like you watch an episode of a program, episode one, you think I'm actually going to enjoy this. I'm going to put it off until I've actually got time to proper watch it. And yeah. I think with Rat Peaks, because of it's one of those bands where I hear all the right people talking about it. And I'm thinking, like, I think I like this. So I think I've put it off because I'm thinking I'm, I'm not really, I don't want to get invested in like another band and like start spending fucking <laughs> pounds on merch and stuff. Like I've done with like bands like Creeper or Marmosets or something and Ghost or something. So yeah, yeah it, it's, it's more of a self-preservation thing in terms of like, I, I like having money. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> 
I know they're a band that I, I would, would enjoy because I know they're like the best out of what they do in, in regards to that genre and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just haven't given them a chance, but that's for a very good reason because I just I can't keep on listening to new bands because it costs a lot of money to keep listening to new bands all the time. I think the issue with us is, like with, with me, is that while I'm very lucky, I've always said this a million times, I'm very lucky that both my wife and daughter love the same music that I do. But the problem is, is that I don't drive and Nicola does. So if I want to go to a gig, Nicola has to come along too. And then like a band like Black Peaks, Kelsey will like them too. So it's basically rather than paying out, like say they're 15 quid for a ticket, it's then £45 for, for three tickets. And then it's obviously like petrol and stuff that ends up being quite expensive sort of things. You want to buy dinner for three people while you're out. So that's the issue when it comes to like going to gigs is uh, how expensive it can work out being even for like a small band uh, or a smaller uh, band. So, yeah, but yeah, Matt unleash. <laughs> um, no, I'm not gonna. What I will say is, Black Peaks are just wonderful, um, and I'm so glad they've they're finally getting the radio play they deserve on Radio One, things like that, and um, they're they're getting a decent push. Um, they've had a really rough time of it, um, with Will having a lot of health issues and things, uh, kind of derailing all the Divides uh, kind of album cycle. Then obviously COVID happening, so it's kind of been a bit of a rough time for them as a band, but um, they are fantastic. And what I will say publicly is Will is one of the people who I am absolutely dying to get on this podcast. So, uh, oh. Well, Gardner, I'm coming for you, son. I'm coming for oh, you. I'd I die. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I just want to pick that man's brain because... Well, I want to pick all their brains, to be honest, because, yeah, how, how they managed to create their songs and the creative process would be insane, chap. But, yeah, just a great, great fucking man. I'm glad you picked them because they're not on my list, so I could, they didn't make it, so I'm glad. Yeah, what is your number 17, Andy? So my number 17 is band we have talked about those. I'm going to sneeze in a second, but it's just like on the edge. Um, this is one of the things where I've said like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> um, where when we were doing our chat about the albums and stuff, I said like, it's not our top 20 best albums of all time. I mean, there obviously are brilliant albums, but I, I, I sort of saw this as more like the top 20 more most important albums, which is how, obviously how it's introduced because music for me it shouldn't really sort of be put in like in like you know this is my very favorite i mean it, obviously it will be but like i think how important music is to people like us and obviously people listening so yeah so i think this one holds more memories for me and things and that is uh sorry <laughs> after that really heavy thing i'm gonna go with sorry for partying by bottling for soup <laughs> 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 get really deep and heavy and then like you know there's a song called my wiener and stuff like that um, the reason why, I mean, I, I've loved Bottom of a Soup since I saw, I love pop punk, absolutely love pop punk, and we, you know I've talked about Bottom of a Soup loads um, on this podcast. Um, the reason, I, I did initially have um, um, Drunk Enough to Dance on the year uh, as, as here, and I literally changed it over at the last minute because this is the sort of album that got me back into them, and both my wife and I, we really... Um, so we, we, it's obviously we were together, but it's like a sort of like thing where we both really, really like sort of fell in love with the band. And they're the first gig on this album cycle that we actually saw them on. It was the first, sorry, first gig we both went to together, just us two. And that was on this album cycle. And we also had some Love Goes Boom, 
uh, play at our wedding as we were like, as we were walking down the aisle, we had Journey Don't Stop Believing. While we were signing the register, we had Motley Crue Without You. And then as we were walking out the venue, um, we had Love Goes Boom by uh, Born for Soup. Um, so yeah, this, this album holds like a lot of like really nice sort of memories for, for Nicola and I. And it's like, a, it was like when I sort of went back into sort of really liking Born for Soup. And it's like, this, the songs on there are really fun. You've got like literally their first song is a really cool dance song. Um, a song called I Can't Stand LA, where they're just actually slagging off LA for ages. Um, you know, we've got a song My Wiener, which is apparently about a puppy, but it's not, it's about someone's penis. You've got BFFF, which is a song about someone, uh, about Jarrett's uh, best friend. Um, hooray for beer. You know, that's like, it's literally is what it says on the tin. It's just like, hooray for beer. So it's a lot of fun, but it's like, it's, it's funny how like a fun album can like hold a lot of like memories and stuff for you. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my number 17. And it's more for like, say, memories than anything. Otherwise, it would be drunk enough to dance. But I feel like, in terms of importance, I think this is like more important to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's one of those choices that's like, oh, well, I would never put it in near my top 20. But we all have our like, our, like, a, there's an album coming up soon that. Is just is like for me, and no, no, not many people will be able to understand it because it has personal connotations behind it. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that's why the the top twenty is for um, you know your most important, I guess, and your favorite because obviously you're, you're a big Bowl of a Soup fan. But you know, the, the, a lot of albums albums kind of tell a story, and an albums that can be a time frame as well. Like a lot of people can remember the time around when an album was released, as opposed to sometimes what's actually on the album. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah, it holds a lot of weight in that regard for for me. Uh, like I said, I, I do prefer the two albums that came before it, but in terms of like how how what the not say impact, I don't want to say that much of an impact, but in terms of what it had to on mine and Nicholas' relationship, it felt like. It was during the time we got married, so it felt like our our whole time being married was very Bolivar Soup heavy. Like we actually share our anniversary with uh, Bolivar Soup, so the day we got married is the same day that uh, Bolivar Soup got uh, together back on the fourth of fourth of June, X amount of years ago. Um, and then we also spoke to Bolivar Soup as part of like a pre-order thing for fishing for woos. Mm-hmm. I paid like eighty quid for for them to actually give us a call. Uh, and it was like two weeks before we got married and we are talking about them coming to download and stuff like that. So yeah, so it's like a whole sort of thing around that time that I think uh, is, is quite nice. I'm, I'm not going to ruin that by saying anything about Bonneville <laughs> Soup. Um, <laughs> uh, famously, don't like Bonneville Soup, so but, you know, to be fair, they're actually fine. Um, so my number 16... Um, I'm really sorry, lads. I'm going to have to get really serious after that. I'm going to bring the mood down slightly. But um, my number 16 is uh, a band who I don't know how many, how many people will know. They are massive in America, uh, and they're called Blue October. Now, I've spoken about them a little bit on the podcast. Um, they are a they are described on uh, Wikipedia as an alternative rock band. I'd call them alternative with a with a hint of grungy stuff around this time um anyway you may have heard the song hate me which is their big massive smash hit um but that was on their previous album but it's also been put on this album uh the album i'm talking about is um 
what's it called approaching normal for in 2009 um this album is nigh on perfect in my opinion because it is it's a very self-deprecating album um it's about so the lead singer uh Justin is uh, a man who struggled a lot with drug addiction, a lot with alcoholism. He's bipolar. He's basically had the whole book thrown at him, the poor bloke. But he everything he's ever written, he's written from his heart. Um, and the album after this, uh, Any Man in America, he wrote about his divorce with his first wife and all that kind of stuff. So it can get quite heavy. But on this particular record, um, I feel like... They struck the balance perfectly between songs about being happy, being down, being hated, being loved, all, do you know what I mean? Um, and there's a particular couple of songs I want to shout out because um, they are fantastic. Uh, one of which is a song called Dirt Room, which is basically a song about him wanting to uh, do some horrible things to their band manager who screwed them over out of a lot of money. And uh, one of the lyrics is, um, I want to cover you in Ants, Bees and Honey and take the picture for our next album, which I think... (laughs) (laughs) And um, But it's just a fucking great album. Also, want to shout out the song The End, which is a song about... It's not about him, per se, but it's about a man who finds his wife cheating um, and he has to break into his own house while watching his wife... Um, you know, uh, fornicate with another dude, and he ends up killing her and killing him uh, in this horrific stuff. It's a fucking really angry song, but it is wonderfully great. Um, they are, so, to me personally, they are one of the most important bands because their songs are so cathartic. Uh, and without going too much down the rabbit hole, um, suffering from mental health issues such as depression and anxiety and stuff. Um, I've always found that art is a really good way of channeling that kind of stuff. Um, so, and this band have been there since day one, pretty much. Uh, when I was again, right time, right place. This album being an album that you know is full of hate, love, and all kinds of different emotions. So it's a, uh, to me at least, it's the perfect record, and it's well, well worth your time. Um, I don't suspect either of you two have heard of it, so you haven't got to give an opinion or anything, but <laughs> definitely, definitely worth your time. Um, Blue October um, Approach Yeah. I would, yeah, and I would check out um, songs I'd check out would be uh, Say It, Dirt Room, Should Be Loved, uh, and Hate, you will have, I reckon you will have heard Hate Me. It's a mammoth tune. But yeah, they're just a brilliant fucking band. So yeah, what is your cool. guys' number sixteen? Unless you want to mention, so, yeah. Oh well, uh, but am I, am I, do, you want, do you want me to move on or? What's up to you? If you've got anything to say, add. If not, just yeah, whatever. Okay, okay. I, just, I kind of just want to add that I really like it when um, when songs do have a proper meaning behind it. Yeah. Um, like when you can analyze the lyrics and and actually see what that person was thinking at the time. I, th- I think that kind of that adds to the song's emotion, and can really kind of make it make the song in that respect. So on the on the album um, "Any Man in America," he re- on, the, on that title song he actually references Eminem. On that, in a way, in a way, he said that um, he says that you know he let you into your house, your friends, your family. Um, your skin was whiter, even whiter than me. 
Um, because basically, you know, obviously Eminem's had a famously, you know, troubled lyrics to do with Haley and his wife and all the rest of it. Like, and he took inspiration from him to like let let people into into his life. On the plus side of um, the lead singer and everything else, he's now completely clean of drugs, alcohol. His music's a lot more happier and a lot more upbeat, and he's remarried and you know. But if you want to indulge in the dark side, which I sometimes do, it's wonderful but very uplifting at the same time. Okay, so my 16 is one that, again, is quite controversial because I, no one would have picked this out I'm of all still, their I'm albums. I'm still upset about your bloody Linkin Park comment, to be honest. <laughs> this is going to upset you a lot more. It's Slipknot's We Are Not Your Kind. Okay. And oh, okay. Doesn't upset me. That's fine. The, the main reason why it's this album, and it's because it means so much to me. Because it's becoming from becoming a Slipknot fan, I just missed out on the Grey's Chapter release. Um, so I became a fan after that. So this was my first Slipknot album. So all the singles were came out my, were my first ever Slipknot releases that I'd seen that had come out since I was a fan. So the amount of excitement I had towards this album, and when it came out, I was like a kid at Christmas. Like I listened to it. I think my Spotify Wrapped for for 2019 was like, like I, it was like, oh, you listened to We Are Not Your Kind for 14 days. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> like I had it on every day in work, constantly. And like when you listen to an album that long, you start to like feel like it's yours. Um, you start to really feel the lyrics. I like I was starting to break down the lyrics so that they mean something to me. I was kind of trying to like think what Corey was thinking when he was writing it. Like like that the run of songs from from Unsainted until um Liar's Funeral is is so great. Like the way he ends the secret the the sequence of kind of talking about his I'm assuming he's talking about his ex-wife, which is what I've got from it, and Liar's Funeral. Um like he says, I think he says in Liar's, Liar's Funeral, after a run of songs where he just speaks about that shit part of his life, he says, um, I'm wasting all the candles, the dead need no light. And it's just like, yeah, that's enough now. And then it goes on to like Red Flag, which is just straight, like a kick straight to the balls, which is just so heavy and completely changed up the mood of the album back to kind of more of a, your typical Slipknot kind of vibe. And then they take it way back and go right uh, left field with spiders, which personally I'm not a big fan of. Um, I, I don't think many people are, but I really appreciate that they did try and change it up. Because Slipknot could just, or they could have just gone into the studio and rewritten Iowa or rewritten like anything heavy and people would have bought it and said, oh, that's so good. But the fact that they had the darkness of Iowa in this album, but changed it up and kind of went at different themes at different angles. Um, is just really good and so clever. Like, I, I don't know if you if you both have opinions. I spoke about this album before on the podcast, and but I, I really, really, really have grown to love this album. Okay. Yeah, I think for me, uh, with "We Are Not Your Kind," what annoys me about it is that when people are walking around with the t-shirts on with the abbreviation, just like people walk around with the word "wank." Yeah. On- <laughs> Sorry, I, I thought I'd have to sort of like, but you know, honestly, every time I say it, I'm like, why are they not wank? Oh, it's weird, not your kind. I don't like the, song, the, the album title. I, 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 don't, I don't know if We Are No Kind really fits the what they were going for in this album either. But yeah, yeah no, no, I, when I do see it, I do also think 
<laughs> the same. Yeah, I, I personally, I absolutely love Slipknot. They're my favourite band, and they're like my first tattoo. Obviously, it's a <laughs> podcast you can't see, but I'm sure. And then I've even got like on this side of my wrist, I've got them. I'm six 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 tattooed, and Nicola's got if I'm five 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 oh, tattooed nice. on her on her wrist. So, um, yeah, I love Slipknot. They're like one of my favourite bands ever. So for me, I absolutely love them. I did think this was a return to form after the the great chapter's good. It's got some really good songs on, but for me, the great chapter's very much like it is very hit and miss. And like all hope is gone. That's, I personally think it's a good album, but yeah, I felt like We Are Not Your Kind was like a really massive sort of return to form uh, for Slipknot. It's uh, it's much heavier, it's like much darker. Uh, and it felt like, you know, like you said about having like songs in there about his wife and stuff like that, it felt like it felt like they actually were angry again. I felt like with yeah. The Grey Chapter, while it's a good album, the songs where they were like trying to be angry at Paul Gray's death, and I don't mean to say that because obviously I'm not like obviously saying how someone should grieve, but the song that was like dedicated to Paul Gray in the Grey Chapter, in my opinion, was the worst song on that album. Um, or was it Skeptic? Was that, was that the, the song? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and like I, for me, I just sort of felt it was very like it's almost like they felt they had to do it, which is again, I'm yeah. not going to tell anyone how to grieve at all because that's not like my place to do that but like i felt with we are not your kind it felt more like an old slip not again which i think was really it's probably quite difficult to do in this sort of day especially cory taylor being the absolute i mean he's like you know he was i was literally flicking through the tv the other day and he was on um qi which i knew we'd been on but it was weird just sort of flicking over and seeing him talk to like sat next to ross noble and talking to uh to alan davis and uh ashley b was the other one that was on there and it's just like when he's done voices on well, he did a raw didn't he on doctor who so he's like a he's a star now i think a lot of normal people would know who cory taylor was to look at him so i think to return to form i think at this point is actually really impressive and uh yeah, it's it's a fantastic album. It's, it's not, I do have Slipknot in here. It's obviously not this one, which obviously shows the difference in ages. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I it's like Matt said. You know, uh, there's definitely no controversy with that because it's a it's a brilliant album. I was gonna say. So for me personally, I I have again Slipknot. I just want to Slipknot on on my list by the way so there's just an idea see that's controversial that's controversial <laughs> well, well mm, yeah well um I, I wanted to but they just didn't make it um sorry about that lads <laughs> um but again i was at the right age when they blew up like and there is there is a picture a video of me wearing an old school signal shirt and i'm probably about 11 and i'm reckon this is probably around Iowa time, like, and I have no idea what it really means. Like, obviously, my mum's obviously bought it for me or whatever because it's a cool thing. But like, looking back at it now, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm an OG fan. Like, I've I no idea they were, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just uh, I can't help when that hype machine gets going for a new record, I just get sucked into it every single time. Um, and one thing I will say is, obviously, I'm not going to say this about Paul Gray passing because that was obviously terrible. But the the lineup changes they've had over the last few years have injected something into that band, which that band haven't had for a long time. Um, yeah. I have massively gotten um, low-key obsessed, I'm not going to lie to you guys, with Jay from the Dragon oh, yeah. Watching his stuff on YouTube, watching him play, he's... 
the guy doesn't play to a click track, which is fucking mental. To be able to, you know, it's just insane. Um, and obviously having Tortilla Man in there as well, being the new guy, just injecting that fresh blood and that fresh pace into the band obviously would have transpired into their music, obviously. Um, and yeah, I think it's the best thing they've done since Volume 3. Um, I think, uh, in retrospect, um, what's the one before Grave... Not Grave Shepard, the other one. I can't remember what it's called now. All Hope is Gone. All Hope is Gone, yeah. I think it's got a collection of good songs, but I think it's misguided. Um, and I think point five, the Grey Chapter, a bit like Avenged Sevenfold's Nightmare, gets a bit of a free pass because of a, a key member dying and kind of it's uneven ground. No one really knows where they're at. But there is some good songs on that record all the same. Custer. Custer is an Custer. amazing yeah, song. Yeah, it's Custer. Yeah. So I'm not disputing it's a bad record at all. But um, yeah, I think it's, you know, when when uh, Unsainted, I'm not going to do the impression of the the vocal part, but being, <laughs> oh, I don't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to do the impression. Italy does impression. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're on about. It's cool, though. And it comes in the drums like building and then it just uh, yeah. banging that snare drum and then it just goes full slipknot. I'm like, oh. Well, they, it's like they opened with that in the, when they, they were the one, of the, one of the three tours I saw last year. Yeah. They opened with that song and you can imagine like how amazing it's, it's such a good opening track yeah. to, to open like a gig with it's like Slipknot know how to make an album in terms of how to structure it and stuff like that they know how to put that into a live show and I think with Slipknot very much like Ghost when they're making an album they're thinking about the live show as well and it's the overall encompassing thing so it's uh, yeah you can feel that in the in the album yeah definitely in, yeah what is your number 16 Andy Okay, so this probably is the one act that I've probably mentioned more than any other than Creeper, uh, but I could have not. And I think this is probably the newest album that's in there, in here. And it is uh, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go by Billie Eilish. Mm. So I, I, you know, I listen to all sorts of music. Like this year, the album I've listened to the most is Dua Lipa's album from last year. So like, you know, like you said, like my taste of music does cover like loads of different things for me like Billie Eilish uh, I've obviously talked about a little I will try and keep it short uh, as, as short as I can but you know she's for me I think she's a really sort of good sort of crossover sort of act I think I said before like you know she, I think she could play a download at somewhere on the bill um you know which is I understand a controversial sort of thing but they've had like you know they can have like Diane Wood to play a download they can have Billy Eilish on there like you know her, her aesthetic is very dark and it's very metal at the beginning of her show like she has like sort of like someone like dreaming and, and it's like uh you've got like all these like dead bodies sort of falling down and then you've also got like a front cover she looks like someone from Evil Dead sat on a bed um you know, it's a very sort of dark vibe to the album. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's just a really, really good album. It, like, you know, it's like when you first listen to Billie Eilish, you sort of, I can understand why people think she's uh, boring and it's like quite a lot of slow songs and I can fully understand that. But once you actually listen to the songs, you actually get more of like what, what it's about. And like, you know, I, you know, she's uh, really talented. She does go, she does the album with her brother as well. who's also very, very talented. Musician. He's fucking brilliant as well. Have you heard of any of his solo stuff? No, I haven't actually. No. Uh, his solo stuff is really, really good. It's called uh, Phineas O'Connell. Um, yeah. Uh, 
really, really good. It's very well produced. You know, she's she's massive and like she's massive for a reason. You know, uh, like I said, she'll be she's the type of person who'll be like headlining festivals like one day for sure because she's she's that good. You know, it's, so she's one of the few like newer acts that like I will try and keep up with. Um, yeah, and I think she's 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 like yeah, much like ghost for me. Um, I could put her on at any point and like I'll be like in any sort of mood. I don't think there's like a mood where I think, you know, I've got to be in the mood for this sort of thing. I could put Billie Eilish on if I'm really happy, if I'm down, if I'm, you know, anything like I could put Billie Eilish on, I'll be like happy to listen to the whole album. Awesome. What are your thoughts, Reese? I've, I've not actually listened to the album, obviously. I've no, I know most of the songs on it. I was just going through it because I was going to say I, I like more of uh, her older stuff. Um, I realised like one of my favourite songs by her is "You Should See Me in a, in a Crown," and that's on the album. It's like because you forget how how her rise as, to fame has been. Like she kind of went from unknown and then had that massive spike, and then had a is it is this her debut album? Yeah, yeah, and it's just nuts. <laughs> it's like such a good debut album, man. Like yeah, she had like I think she had like an EP just before. Um... Beforehand, so I know that I basically got into just as she released. Uh, wasn't uh, I can't remember which song it was now. Uh, it I, wasn't bad guy. It was one before that. Um, I'm not sure, but my my fa- my one of my other favorite things is when the party's over. That's probably, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what a song! Her vocals. The video for that is mental as well. She starts like yeah. crying. It's like black gunk and stuff like that. That's what I mean, like about her. Like she's got quite a metal aesthetic. I mean, like you know, it's very much like. Uh, you know, it's like you watch it, you think, fucking hell, she's not doing, she's doing things that other pop acts aren't doing and aren't worried about doing. In fact, she's like only like, what, 19, I think, as well. You know, when she, her first song was Ocean Eyes when she was 15. And like, you know, you can hear like a maturity in her voice that I think a lot of uh, uh, people don't have. Oh, it's Bury a Friend was what I was thinking of. You watch the, oh, yeah. the uh, video for Bury, Bury a Friend. I mean, that's like a very Quite metal. Dark, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very dark. <laughs> And that was like, I'd heard about it before, and I was like, yeah, I can give a take. And I thought, Barry Friend came out, I thought, I'll give it a watch, because I do like to sort of give all music a try. And I was like, oh, it's actually really good. And then I sort of went down like a rabbit hole. And then, yeah, before I know it, like I said, I've said before, I've seen her live, and she was bring it live. We've got, uh, I've got this album on vinyl. I've uh, got like, the picture disc, and it's, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. It's an excellent album. One thing I would want, I hope next album she does, we get to see her experiment a bit more with her voice because that's one thing I want to see her do. See what her her vocals are actually capable of because there's there's no doubt she can sing. I want to see her do proper like. Oh, one thing I, it, one like. thing I would say is go and listen to the because uh, she obviously did the James Bond theme, wasn't she? She's done James yeah. Bond. She done that. I think it was at the VMAs or something. She done it actually like, live with the piano. Like there's a bit at the end, like where there's like proper highs, and she soars on that high. It's ridiculously good. Like I definitely check out the live version of that. I'm not sure they go through the VMAs. I'm sure. But um, yeah, I'm pretty. There's loads of fire around her. I know she did like a few. Yeah, I think I think, I think it might be the one. Yeah, but um, yes. So, in typical Andy fashion, I need a wee. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I thought, right, we're halfway through part one, so we're on 1.0, so I'm going to take a break. <laughs> I'll be two seconds, sorry. We have, I've got, like, the world's worst bladder. What I'll do is I'll add a, like, intermission little thing in, so uh, we'll be back shortly. Intermission. <laughs>
And we are back. We're back in the room. Everybody refreshed and uh, unloaded bladders and, and things. <laughs> yes. Cool. Fantastic. So, we are going to go into my number 15, or our collective, you know, number 15s. Now, we said about controversial opinions. This might get some controversial opinions. Oh, no. My number 15 <laughs> is an album we have selected as our overall number one album together this year and it's Creeper Returns in Your Arms is my number 15 um, there is a reason which I'll go into, obviously there's, there's a number of albums before this album and that's why it's 15 but the reason why Creeper Returns in Your Arms is number 15 is because this album allowed me to remember that I could become obsessed with a record I'm fully obsessed with the band because as I alluded to earlier obviously me and Andy are slightly older than Reese, and Reese sort of knew it into his journey of discovering music so he's kind of got fresh ears, fresh eyes where me and Andy have been around the block a little bit more we may have seen some of the tropes and some of the different things and gone that's just a rehash of this that's just a rehash of that Creeper are the real deal man and I don't need to go into detail about how much we love <laughs> Creeper because there will be a Creeper special coming uh, this month. It will either have happened or it will be happening the week after or the week after. depends on when this goes out. But in the month of February, we're going to do a whole podcast about Creeper. So I'm going to leave Mo Jorah for there, but Creeper, turn your arms, is my number 15. Lads? I'll I'll let you in. <coughs> well, so I, Creeper aren't on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Yeah, just because we're going by what's most important to us. Um, I only started listening to Creeper in the summer um, of last year. Um, so I really wanted to... I don't know, I, I, I didn't feel comfortable putting them in, having just got into them. And I hope that when we do the, the podcast about Creeper, because I'm kind of going into it from a standpoint of, I like the music... I want to know the story. That's um, that's literally what the podcast. I've I've written everything out as much detail as I can, um, from what I can remember from websites and bits and bobs. It's going to be the definitive guide as much as possible to do with paper. Yeah. So, so I hope from that then I can. Well, I'll be feel comfortable. And kind of <laughs> saying that they, it's they really would go. weird because I put creeper on it and I knew that podcast was coming, and that's why number fifteen for me will be the quickest one we do because it's like you already know we will love them and you're going to hear a whole podcast about them later, so we're just going to skim over this one and uh, we're going to jump straight to uh, to Reese's number fifteen. Cause... So my number fifteen is uh, No More Tears by Ozzy Osbourne. You fucking legend! <laughs> I had to, I had, was, to ta- I had to take out Blizzard of Oz, and I was gutted about it. It was really hard to choose which album um, to go for. I ended up going for No More Tears because, um, really, because I I think my stepdad must have had the album because when I was kind of just getting into rock through like. Um, you know, I, I think I first I listened to Fallout Boy and stuff, so I wasn't actually deep into like, you know, like, um, like older rock and stuff like that, um, and Ozzy Osbourne or anything. And I used to hear it, and I used to, I, I really, really enjoyed it. 
I like kind of growing up now. I've kind of, that's, that kind of album is, is, and all the songs on it have really like stuck with me. And 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 yeah, that Ozzy Osbourne in my eyes will always be a better better on his own than he was in in a uh, in um, Black Sabbath. <laughs> I think it's controversial, controversial, but I much prefer his solo stuff. Uh, I think this album epitomizes it. Um, and I want to know what is your favorite version. Hellraiser by Ozzy Osbourne or Hellraiser by uh, Motorhead? Ozzy. Ozzy, yeah. Yeah, Ozzy. Yeah. Um, 100%. My stepdad really, really likes the, the Motorhead version. Uh, Both uh, are great. Like, let's not get it twisted, but... Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's really weird. They, that song really matches both, <laughs> both Ozzy and and um, and Motorhead. So yeah, but what were what we saying about Ozzy? I mean, it's quite a, a broad. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's really hard to pick one because it's just, yeah, it's it's, it's a good album. It's uh, it's got uh, Randy Castillo on it as a drummer. He actually was a drummer for Motley Crue's album New Tattoo, and I think that was the last album he made before he died of like. I think he had like stomach cancer or something back in like 2002. I think he passed away. Um, so yeah, I actually got into that album via Motley Crue because I was like, I, I really like that. Even though it's probably their worst album, I got into this album. Like, because uh, I was more into Black Sabbath than I was Ozzy Osbourne. But I actually agree with you to a degree that I feel like Ozzy Osbourne's best songs are better than. Black Sabbaths, but I think Black Sabbath are better overall. I don't know, actually, I think that's quite a hot take, and I've burnt myself on it, I'll be honest. I think, like, I don't know if I actually agree with myself there. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I'm thinking the thing is, it's like, they're, they're quite, they're obviously very similar because Ozzy Osbourne's voice is, is like, again, like with uh, uh, a guy from uh, Billy Talent, you know, even more so, Ozzy Osbourne's voice. You know when it's him, so it's difficult for me to sort of separate that. But he has got some brilliant songs, so he's, he's got some fucking brilliant songs. What I will say is protect Ozzy at all costs. That yeah, man, yeah. like that man, is just you know, he is everything that heavy metal is, in my opinion. You know, he he done the drugs, he done the drink, he done the girls. He, you know, he made the beautiful, amazing music, both in Sabbath and obviously on his own in his own right. Just the ultimate rock star, basically. You know, and even even now in twenty twenty, you know, when he released his last record, was good. Like, don't get me wrong, it wasn't amazing, but it was it was a darn good record. You know. And, and coming out and doing a song with Post Malone. Say what you learned about Post Malone, but like the fact that Post Malone being one of the biggest names in the game, picking Ozzy to go on your track still shows that Ozzy is still relevant in, in 2020 slash 2021. So, yeah, I, it's going to be a very sad day when that man gives it up. Um, but oh. yeah, long, long live Ozzy Osbourne, that's all I can say. What an absolute hero. What I will say is, I think. They're pretty, because to be fair, I, I am the the probably the biggest Sabbath fan at U three at U two. Um, but Sabbath's lows are pretty low sometimes. But the run of six albums with with Ozzy on are undeniable. But yet Ozzy's output as a solo artist matches it easily. I think they're pretty much hot for hot. You know. 
and that is really hurting my ass sitting on the fence that hard. But... <laughs> <laughs> We've both been injured by our, our takes then. <laughs> yeah, like, just amazing. What, what, a, what a guy. What's your uh, number 15, Andy? So, again, really weird to have one of my favourite bands this low down. I'd say this was really low down because I absolutely love this band. But it is Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. Nice. Um, it, it, to be fair, it was so difficult to put an Iron Maiden album. In fact, this was the only band who almost had two albums in in here. Because, But in my defence, it was two separate time parts of Iron Maiden. So it would have been Number of the Beast and Iron Maiden, which is, um, in my opinion, with Iron Maiden, they're the only band that... Oh, that's a fucking idiot when stupid thing to say on ACDC exist. I was going to say, they're the only band that, like, you know, have brilliant albums by two set different singers. And then I remember, like, ACDC, I was like, you fucking dick. And, oh, and Black, thing to as say. I was saying, Black Sabbath exists, and they had Ron Roy James Dio. Like- yeah, yeah. I was... Uh, see, I'm not so thinking about the James, Ronnie James Dio part of uh, Sabbath, though. But anyway, I, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, Iron Maiden, uh, the album, is, is brilliant. But I thought I had to sacrifice one of them to obviously make way for other albums. So yeah, none of the beast goes in there for me. It's, it's a brilliant album. You've got some, I, I mean, I love Iron Maiden, like I said, I think they're like one of my favorite bands. Um, you know, you've got number of the beast runs the hills. You've got, uh, the prisoner, which is probably one of my favorite, uh, Iron Maiden songs. Opens up with invaders, which is like got a fucking amazing riff. And it's just like such an amazing sort of way for like Bruce Dickinson to, you know, come on and say as the singer of Iron Maiden. Um, and also it was Clive Burr's last album with him as a drummer. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a brilliant album and the classics. I mean, there's always the camp, isn't it? Is you're either a Metallica fan or you're an Iron Maiden fan. Um, and for me, I'm what, miles, miles, miles. Really? Uh, I didn't realise that was a yeah. thing. Okay, I didn't know. Was- yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's more from like, like listening to uh, the Metal Hammer podcast. Okay. Um, when it was Bees and Gill, because they ima- did. I could imagine the Megadeth Metallica thing. That yeah, so like- on the uh, on the it was basically from the Metal Hammer podcast day. So they basically did a thing where it was uh, Bees and Bees and Gill did uh, Metallica versus um, Iron Maiden, and then when Merlin Alderslade and Stephen Hill came into it, they both did it as well. So that's how I sort of see the two, because they're from Metal Hammer days, so they they pit them against each other. Um, Yeah, so I'm on the the side of Iron Maiden. I think because they are both, in terms of metal, I wouldn't put Guns N' Roses in like a metal, because they are more rock. But in terms of metal, I think Metallica and Iron Maiden are the two that are head and shoulders above everybody else. So I think that's why in my head I sort of see them as the two separate things. So I think, you know, but... Yeah, Iron Maiden for me, uh, fantastic. Number of the Beasts, like it could have been any one of the uh, the eighties uh, albums. To be honest, uh, Bruce Dickinson era for me because they're all amazing. It was like at one point it was Seven Son of Seven Sun. Another time it was Peace of Mind. Another time it was uh, um, Somewhere Back in Time. But like for me, like in terms of like an overall collection of songs, I think uh, Number of the Beasts is one that I put on a lot. It was the first album I bought on vinyl as well. Number of the Beasts, so. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good one. Yeah, Iron Maiden are, are a band who I love and adore. Um, however, they have such a, a wide catalogue. It's kind of like I've listened to all of it, 
but if I had to pick one, I generally go for the Spotify This Is Iron Maiden, because I'm like, I just want a mix of everything. I can't put on one record, because I'm... I've got like an OCD brain, like ADHD as well. Like I'm just like, I can't listen to anything for more than five minutes without going, oh, but I'm missing out on this. Or do you know what I mean? So like, I need to like switch it up. So yeah, I just go for the greatest hits because basically it's all of it, isn't it really, to be honest? <laughs> yeah, the, the only actually Iron Maiden album I've actually listened to it in full and sat down and actually listened to it was Somewhere in Time. Um, Good choice. Um, but... I, I like 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 Matt. I, I do, I do just prefer like greatest hits with Iron Maiden. I, I, I guess that's just a personal preference. I'm not sure if it, are they are they really classed as an album band or do they? They yeah, they, they are. They definitely are. But I think I think where you you know I think I suffer a little bit how you do, Reese. Like with obviously you you're a lot more so being a younger person seeing a band like maiden they've got such a huge catalog it's where do you start you know yeah. so like you it's the easy route is to go for the um go for the uh the um the this is spotify iron maiden collection and then find the ones the albums say if there's a particular album that keeps coming up that you like the songs on perhaps that's when you then start that album you know like there's yeah. loads of bands that i've I've been trying progressively to get into like the more of the older stuff like Zeppelin and things like that. But again, where do you start? Like, do you know what I mean? Unless you've got someone saying start here, you know, like it can be difficult because not I've, bad, really. I think as a prog fan race, you want to start with Seventh Son, Seventh Son, because that's their prog album, okay. um, and that's got some really. And it's like a bit later on. I think it's like Bruce's fourth album I think he did with them and it's also the one that, that's the one that I actually got into was uh, Seventh Son um, which yeah it's that's a fucking brilliant album like in terms of like what ones I prefer I probably would say I actually prefer that as an album but in terms of like a collection of songs that I can say together like you know that people would know about I thought like I put Number of the Beast in uh, there but yeah Seventh Son and Seventh Son is brilliant and like they toured it and it's the one they played at uh, Download 2013 it was like they, they recreated their tour from like 86 um, yeah I think that if you want to listen to it like go in to, to that one but like I said Iron Maiden and Killers the first albums is with Paul D'Anio are amazing they're very much more punky and like the song Iron Maiden not Iron Maiden Running Free if you listen to Running Free that song is like you can't even believe it's like an Iron Maiden song if it's what you imagine what Iron Maiden sound like now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Iron Maiden's a really good album to listen to, but like, so if you're going to get into like, what Iron Maiden are now, Seven Sun, Seven Sun is definitely a, a decent one to get into. For sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> right. So my number 14, is it 14? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Waking the Fallen by Event Sevenfold. This is my favourite of a Sevenfold album, Um, and that kind of um, is because of what I've said before about me preferring a lot more melodic style kind of metal. And I think this album does lean a lot on them being a bit more melodic and and very very good at changing up on this album, like throughout it. It's just great. And another reason why I love it is because every time I play Call of Duty, this is the album that goes on. Like, <laughs> like multiplayer, smash out, I'm, I'm a, a double XP, buddy, 
weekend and this album will, will go on and I will scream at the top of my lungs. But throughout the album, like Unholy Confessions, what a banger, just such a good metal song. Um, you've got Eternal Rest, which Slayer-esque, I don't like Slayer, but the fact that they change it up in the album to kind of go Slayer-style riffs mixed with a bit of Lamb of God, like, so good. And then you've got the best metal ballad, I Won't See You Tonight, part one, which is just amazing. Like, I don't think you can argue with that. I've got two things I want to quickly say about Avenged Sevenfold. Um, and this is my own stupidity, like, full-on my own stupidity, right? Um, <laughs> when I was... So, this is just, like, quick story time. Um, where in Norwich, uh, there's two, like, main uh, places you go to gigs. Uh, the UEA, which is obviously the university, or the waterfront. Now, since it's been a thing, you have to be 14 to go to gigs. 14 and up to go to shows, right? I've been wanting to go to shows since I was about 10, right? So, the time of my 14th birthday, or, you know, just after my 14th birthday, whatever, that year, my dad was like, right, you can go to a show. You can pick a show you want to go to, right? These were the shows that we selected. I was up to, th- well, I'd pick one, but these were the three that was offered to me Dragon Force, featuring Tourist Ass, Avenged Sevenfold. Rise Against, right? Who? Rise Against. Alright, cool. Bearing in mind, this was at the UEA, and they this is a 1300 cap room, so fucking tiny. And they would have been on Waking the Fallen as well, the album. Right? Have a guess which band I picked. You picked Dragon Forces. <laughs> of course I did, because Guitar Hero 3 was massive, <laughs> and uh, that's what i done. And it took me... It took me till 2017, so a long time later, to go and see them live. And honestly, the show that I've, I've got this set list in front of me, I'm going to quickly run for it, was easily the best set of songs by any band I've ever seen. Are you ready for this? So, The Stage, Afterlife, How to the King, Pentagram, To End the Rapture, Second Heartbeat... So far away, nightmare, goddamn, beast in the harlot, sign to position, warmness of the soul, planets, acid rain, followed by an encore of backcountry, a little piece of heaven, followed by unholy confessions. Nice. <laughs> right? Do you all know something? Like, I don't get massively emotional. I cried for the entire set. And my brother, that's my first ever gig I went to with my brother. That's the only gig he's been to, right? And we was we were seated at the O2, and I grabbed hold of his leg every single song. Gone like this can't get any better. This cannot <laughs> get any, like because the songs just get progressively better. Um, and they had Disturbed uh, as main support, and Disturbed played um, Stricken, which is my favourite Disturbed song, and it was fucking great. But yeah, that's just my little tidbit about Vince Sevenfold being great. But I miss yeah, it. they are the fallen. <laughs> They are very good. Because, like, the thing is, it's like, for me, I'm more of a City of Evil fan, but, like, obviously, I wait. I, it's one of those where, like, you could probably pick any Avenged Sevenfold, even, like, Hell to the King, if I'm on this album, and I'll be like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. You know, it's like, I completely yeah, yeah. understand why that's in there. Um, because they are amazing. Again, like, I know they're big, but personally, I think they should be bigger because they are 100%. Uh, an amazing band. I mean, they are. Fantastic. I mean, I mean, the first time I actually saw them was uh, at Download 2011. We were actually going to see Twisted Sister, 
And I was like, I just want to quickly see one song of Ben Shemphold before we get to see Twisted Sister. And it opened up uh, when they were sub-headlining. They opened up with uh, Nightmare. Mm. So I was like, right, I'm happy. I literally watched them do Nightmare. And it's actually on my um, download 2011 uh, vlog on YouTube. And it literally goes, yeah, do, 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 do. And you hear me go, it's on my proper screen. Yes. Um, and then I like, got to see him properly, obviously, when uh, I've only ever seen him a download. We've seen him twice since then uh, at, sorry, at uh, downloads. And yeah, they are uh, amazing. I mean, like, like I've talked about it before, but Little Piece of Heaven is a masterpiece. Like, it's fantastic. I, I love Vince Sevenfold. You know, it's, uh, and like, I Holy Confessions is one of their best songs by, by a long way. Do you want, so we alluded every time we have a guest on about our musical unpopular opinion and I made a joke about the Beatles which I can't repeat I'm not ever going to do you actually want a musical unpopular opinion by me okay Waking the Fallen is the worst event unfold record (laughs) sorry Reese, but it is it's the worst one no, it's not. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, yeah, we could argue to a blue in the face, but for me personally, it's the worst one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, sorry, just want to throw that out there. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It's worse for like least best. I think it's probably better. Don't get me wrong. It's a nine in a sea of elevens. So like, let's not get it. You know, it's brilliant, but it's just my least favorite. Oh, I yeah, we, me and Andy discussed this again on the download one. We discussed the Venture and Ford at length, so what a band. Oh. Your number 13, Andy. Two, mine is one that I have been oh, listening to. Oh, number 14. Is it 14? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, it's 14, yeah. Um, this is probably the oldest record, I think, on my list. It is, yes, it is a bat out of hell. Oh, shit. God, what happened there? I don't know. Maybe I think hopefully that ruined the moment. Yeah, Battle of Hell by Meatloaf. <laughs> um, it's let me bring it up again because my, my computer just decided to shit itself, and that's all working again. I was sure when you said Battle Hell, and then went shit, and I was going shit. Who's, which who's from Battle Hell? I was trying to think like it was a test. <laughs> Battle of Hell by Meatloaf. Um, it's debut album. I mean, it's a classic. It's it's absolutely... I mean, you've got the song, obviously, Battle of Hell. The thing is, it's funny, it's actually the same length as the Women and Children... I fucking got the albums wrong again. Beyond the Valley of the Murder Dolls. It's the same length, but it's only seven songs long. <laughs> um, you know, so it just shows... I mean, like, Battle of Hell, for example, is uh, nine minutes long. That's just because it's got this really, really, really long intro. But once it gets into it, the song is amazing. But for me, the actual highlight on this, and I, I must have done Nicholas Head in with this song because I listened to it over and over and over and over and over and over again at one point um, when I got back into into Meatloaf. And it's uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, uh, which is a song about uh, two high schoolers. Uh, the boy wants to have sex with the girl. The girl's like, no, you're not having any. He's like, please. He's like, she's like, no. She goes, I'll tell you what, right? If you promise me you'll never leave me, we can have sex. So he's like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. Uh, and then it, um, and yeah, basically, because he's basically saying, you know, let me sleep on it. You know, I'll tell you in the morning if I want to. She's like, no, I need to know right now or else I'll never, you're never going to get this. And at the end of it, they're like, they both fucking hate each other, just praying 
for the end of time to like so they can like end their time with each other. <laughs> and it's just like it's like you know they just they they're just but because he's made this promise just so he can get his end away, <laughs> they, they decide to stay together for ages. Um, yeah, it's it's fantastic that song. It's like eight minutes. It's like one of the few times because I don't really like long, long, long songs. It's probably why I'm not a big fan of prog. But like Paradise by the Dashboard, I can listen to repeat and repeat over and over again because I just think it's 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 like such a light hearted song. It's like a random bit in the middle of the song. It sounds like there's a cricket game going on. Um, but yeah, it's also got like something like two out of three ain't bad. Um, you took the words right out of my mouth. Heaven can wait. I mean, I'm pretty much just reading out the whole the whole thing. But yeah, it's uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's got a brilliant uh, intro with like like a wolf and like a werewolf person sort of talking to this woman, and it goes into the song. It's just it's a it's a masterpiece in my opinion. Uh, I'd love to see Meat Live live, and it's one of the peep artists. I, I, I think out of this on this uh, list, I think out of the album, out of all the albums, like two of the artists I've not seen live, and this is one of them. And it's one of those where I've just had to sort of accept that I'm never going to see Meat Live live, even though it's what someone I've always, and I always thought he could be a good second stage headliner at Download. I think he'd be perfect. For, not now, obviously, because he's uh, he's quite old, bless him now. But um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Like you know, he's got a load of good songs that come after that. But yeah, Battle of Hell as an album is just fantastic. And obviously there's like a lot of like a lot of what Creeper take from the Eternity in the Arms album. A lot of it is Ray Meatloaf, uh, Jim Steinman esque. So it's uh, you know, so especially with uh, which I know it's not on Eternity in the Arms, but from the Stranger LP the uh, song Black Mass is very, very meatloaf like, especially with like this album, so it sort of goes in quite quite much onto that quite a lot onto that but yeah me those fantastic and like this album is is an absolute masterpiece it's like i i love this album again it's one of the few albums that are like quite proggy in terms of it's the length of its songs that i can listen to without feeling like oh, i need this song to finish i'm quite happy to listen to it over and over again because it's uh it's fantastic and it's also quite a big one because it's like one that my mum used to listen to quite a lot when i was little and I remember like uh, singing along with like Battle of Hell and stuff like that with with my mum when we were really really young. So yeah, it's it's been in my I think this out of all the albums this is probably one that's been in my life the longest as well. And again, it was one of the very when I got my turntable, I bought like ten LPs vinyls and stuff, and like uh, this was this was in there straight away. This and like Hybrid Theory, which obviously we'll be talking about later on. But yeah, it's, it's a good album. I'm gonna do my quick now because it's quicker than Reese is gonna be. I don't like Meatloaf. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate them what they've done for music and everything else, but I just don't like them. So I'm just all I'm gonna say on the matter. Over to you, Reese. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, no, I like Meatloaf, but what I hate is radio stations that play Meatloaf because they always fucking cut the song before it's finished. And it pisses me off. Every time, but yeah, no. Um, I'm more of a, a, a greatest hits um, man when it comes to meatloaf. Uh, but yeah, no, great voice um, and great musically. Uh, yeah, meatloaf, isn't it? <laughs> it's just great. It's just great. Okay, so uh, my number thirteen is potentially could be controversial in some opinion uh, for some people, but. I stand by it. Um, it's it's Stone Sour's second record, Come Whatever May. I think, brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that this is Corey Taylor's perfect record. 
Now, what I mean by that is I'm not disputing that Iowa is fantastic or any of the records. What about Corey motherfucking Taylor? What a... <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Mate, mate, I love that man so much, but there's only so much that I can love a man without, you know, lying to myself and everybody else around me. Um, yeah, come whatever may, uh, the 2008 album, I think it says when it came out, um, it's perfect. Six, 2006. 2006, wow, bloody hell. Um, it's perfect uh, because Corey Taylor displays a fantastic range of his ability on that record uh jim root obviously of slipknot plays on that record as well in guitar but it's so it's such a cory taylor record before the cory taylor record was a thing um it's got you know the heavy rock songs it's got the ballads it's just it's perfect for for showing his vocal ability and what he can do as a front man and i fucking love it and I'm really sad that Stone Tower aren't a thing anymore because that man can just shit out hits if he wants to. But then yeah. again, he did do a solo record and that was uh, not great. Not great <laughs> is the word I'd use. Uh, but um, what are you two saying about Stone Tower and this record? Or just Stone Tower generally? I, I really oh. like Stone Tower. Oh, sorry, Andy, do you want to... No, sorry, oh, I really like Stone Tower being a thing because it really meant that we got to hear Corey's vocals, like his yeah. clean vocals and what he could do without the the pressure, I guess, of being in Slipknot. Um, and Come Whatever May is is a prime example of that, as you said. Like great. And I think I think I'm I'm pretty sure, uh, Through the Glass was one of the first things I ever heard of Corey Taylor before um before Slipknot or anything. Yeah, and I did. I obviously didn't put two and two together at the time, but yeah, yeah, what really good album. Yeah, it was the same. I didn't really realize that um, that the guy from Stone Tower was the same guy from Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the thing is, like um, Stone Tower was like wasn't an out band I really listened to that. But it was only when I sort of discovered, oh shit, hang on, this is Corey Taylor's other band. Was when I actually went right. I'm going to go in on on it now. Um, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. I mean, yeah, you've got uh, Three Glass, uh, which is uh, probably my favourite song that they did. Um, but they also do um, Wicked Game, a cover of Wicked Game, which is a, an amazing, amazing song. Uh, they've made of Scars, also on that album, is fantastic. I actually really enjoy the album. Which one was it? The House of Golden Bones, but part one, part two wasn't so good. But The House of Golden Bones, part one, is, is a really, really good album. Um, I've seen it live once at download. It's a bit and, hit and miss uh, that record, but it's, it's good, got some good stuff on it. The first two songs on it are fantastic. Uh, Gone Sovereign and Absolute Zero. They're amazing. Absolutely. Really, really, really good songs. Fucking tune. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, excellent, excellent band. I absolutely love them. You know, it's like, <clears throat> um, yeah, um, I, I really like it. And I think I think I agree with you in terms of the, the best album is Come Whatever May, by far. Well, this series is the best album, but. I would it's one of those where I wouldn't argue with someone who says it was because it is fantastic. What I find really annoying though is when it's Stone Sour, it's like he almost had a filter because he had the other members of the band. And that's why even on the last the, the last record they put out, uh, Hydra Grant had some really good stuff on it. And I saw him on that tour. Um and that was obviously the last tour they'd done, obviously then they uh have gone on hiatus for the foreseeable future. Um 
So it's kind of frustrating. Now they've put out, um, obviously, Corey Taylor, motherfucking Corey Taylor, must be stopped, whatever. <laughs> that bullshit fucking record. Um, it's like that filter's been removed and he's just allowed to do whatever. And, you know, there are certain times that, yes, he, in my opinion, is a genius with some of his lyrics and some of what he's done in the past. But also, geniuses do have bad days. And I feel like when he wrote that album, he's having a bad week or a bad month when he wrote that record because it is trash. Do you know what I mean? But- yeah, even though, like, Nicky Six features on it and I'm still not, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do want to say, uh, Corey Taylor, at every show he plays, says, this is the best show I've ever played. Um, but on the... Uh, on, on Come Whatever May, the, the la- is it the last song? No, not the, there is a song on it. Cardiff. Yeah, sure. that's banging song. His actually, because actually, his favourite place to play is Wales. So take that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always say. Like I always say, I'm a good. Uh, I'm always like a band's lucky charm because I always happen to be at the, uh, the band's best shows they ever play. And like whenever I think that, I always think of Slipknot. And it's like, I, like I said, I love. I think Corey Taylor's fantastic. You know, I, I. It's one of those things where I actually decided on my own that I thought it was awesome, rather than having everyone else tell me. If you know what I mean, because a lot of people sort of think that. Uh, Corey Taylor's awesome, which he is, but it's like one of those things where I sort of like, no, I I I like him for my reasons, you know. Cause I, I think his solo work is is can be quite good. Like his his acoustic shows are fantastic. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I yeah, I like him. I've got a lot of time. One of the one of the be- one of the best people I've seen do it is when, when I was, when Trivium played Download. They didn't say oh, this is the best show we played at. They basically said. You're worse than the last show, which was was very effective because everyone was just like, well, "We don't fucking, we're better than a show they played in Prague, so let's fucking smash it." And it really did work because they fucking smashed that show. <laughs> one thing, I will, one thing I will just say as a tidbit on that, I'm going to put this on the social media. So, boys, remind me after we record, so recording to do this, but uh. I'm going to upload the picture that Andy put on Facebook from your email uh, saying about Iceland. And was it, I'm sure it was you who said that. And um, they put on there, sent, sent Andy an email saying, like, this is your last chance. And he's like, every, every metalcore band or something in the last five minutes of their set. That's just. Yeah, it's like, it, all, honestly, the amount of times they do it, it'd be, it'd be like mid afternoon on a Friday, and we'd a third band on. Uh, any band, the amount of times you hear, you hear and go, this is your last chance. I want to see fucking pits everywhere. And it's like, <laughs> it, there's like 36 bands on this stage alone playing after you. You know, it's like, but they always say, it's just like, when I, when I, when I think about uh, Iceland sent me a thing saying, this is your last chance. It just reminded me of that. It's like, the amount of times I hear it, um, you know, said this is your last chance. It's like, listen, mate, it's not my last chance. I've got loads of time. If you play, if you like playing Sunday night, but then to be fair, those sort of bands. So, but yeah, it's metalcore bands that, that do it. Oh dear! Right, <laughs> was your number twelve? <laughs> Thirteen. We should wrap this up. We're only like halfway through. <laughs> my, no, you mean my number? No, Thirteen. Thirteen. Your, yeah. your number thirteen. I've done mine. Mine was yeah, that was oh, oh yeah, my number twelve, my number thirteen <laughs> is um, kind of controversial. It's Post Malone's Stony album. I'm not a big rap fan, but 
I really like this album, and it's an album that me and Jade used to listen to when we first started going out, because it's kind of a common ground in our, in our music. Not too much to say about it, just that it's uh, similar with Andy with um, the, the Bone for Soup record. It's kind of just like, at the time, it was really like all the songs I could kind of vibe to um, kind of meant a lot. But yeah, no, it's also got really good songs. And Post Malone is a really good artist. Like, he really gets the music industry and what to do. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he's gone from strength to strength from this album. But I believe this is his debut album, and it's probably my favourite. I was going to say, um, backed Post Malone is good. I mean, I don't listen to him that often, but yeah, good, good artist. I like Post Malone, I have to say. What are you saying, Andy? Fan? Nah. <laughs> nah. It's but again, it's not for me. You know, again, I understand like his cultural, you know, thing in like in this day and age. I, I can see what you know how he fits in. But yeah, it's yeah, it's not for me. Cool. What is your number thirteen? Uh, so yeah, it's my turn to put hybrid theory in. Um, so yeah, basically. Uh, you know, again, this was in that big uh, load of uh, vinyl that I got when uh, when I first got the turntable. Um, I've probably owned the album in different sort of forms, probably about seven times, I think. <laughs> um, you know, having it on cassette, and then when I moved up north, I got it on uh, CD. Um, you know, I think like when obviously you got like uh, was it one step closer when that first came out? You know, it's suddenly like this this band went everywhere. Um, you know, like, uh, I think for me, like, in Chester's voice was something that's like, you know, I know this is something that's like been said a million, million, million times over, but Chester's voice is insane. Like, the notes he can hit, like, from screaming into, like, going into the singing and back into screaming. And then you've also got, like, the rap sort of bit from uh, Mike Shinoda in the background. And obviously, he sort of comes forward a bit more as, as time goes on. And then you've also got, like, this is the first time like, in a mainstream way you hear all these different genres sort of meshed together. And it was like, at the time it was like, it was like, this is amazing. And obviously then they came out with a song in the end, which like is probably still their biggest song as far as I'm, I'm concerned. But you know, when that song comes on, it's like the bit I, I look forward to that bit. And like sometimes my friends are like, where does in the end come on again? Ah, oh, it's a two song song. We go, can't wait. And as soon as it goes, <laughs> it's just like it's just a, it's just amazing I mean like again Linkin Park you know people my age uh, could, could easily say probably even like a lot younger as well to be fair because obviously it'd be something that like people's parents listen to now um, you know it's such a like it was my the first album that I, I got into in terms of like this sort of music and it's uh yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's it's an amazing album. In fact, I've also got to see it played live as well in full uh, when they played Download 2014. I mean, to me, that's, uh, again, it's something we chatted about on our Download uh, podcast that we did. It was amazing uh, sort of point. Like, literally, as soon as they came on, I didn't stop jumping. The poor Kelsey I was using there as, like, a, as a, thing, a lift to get me even higher up as I was jumping, even though I was, like, miles back by the disabled, uh, sorry, the access accessibility platform. I was still just like bouncing around like a madman because <laughs> uh, it's yeah it, it's a fantastic album it's uh, it's certainly like uh, deserves its place in in history it's like one of the greatest rock albums of all time yeah I just want to throw in really quickly just to say that it's actually my number twelve so, all right okay yeah just like throw it in as well yeah um 
I'm just going to put it down as, as simply as this. It is the perfect new metal record. You know, like Chocolate Starfish, I feel ya, I hear ya. Um, Sinner by Drowning Pool, I hear ya. But nothing comes close to this record in terms of that new metal new metal style. Um, it's, you know, my personally my, probably my favourite song is Crawling. Um, because, you know... I don't want to dwell too hard on what obviously happened with Chester, but like even then, like what one thing I love about Lincoln Park and his voice is you can hear the torment in his voice every single time. And obviously, what happened to him is incredibly sad, and it makes it all the more poignant when listening to that song, you know. And it's just the lyrics are so <coughs> wonderfully put together. It's just just a brilliant fucking record, just a brilliant fucking record. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And still to this day, like Chester's death is probably the one that's affected me the most. Even though I was only really in on their first two albums, I do think they've got some good songs after that. But like in terms of what like they meant to me at the time, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's yeah, like you said, it's it's fantastic. I've, I've already stated my opinion on them yeah, because they were on my sure. list. So, so, do you want to do your number twelve then? My number 12 is the 2005 album by System of a Down, Mesmerize. Ooh. Interesting. <laughs> because you said System of a Down, and I got really excited because I've not got them on there. So I was going, yeah. But then you said Mesmerize, so I'm intrigued. Yeah, I, th- this was, to be honest, I, I nearly went and copped out and did greatest hits just because I, want, I could not decide between, um, between Mesmerize and Toxicity, and I wanted them both. Um, but mesmerize if i'm feeling down and i want to feel happy and i want to laugh um and feel something with music this is the album i'll put on because it's just funny it's good uh, it's, it's, for, for me personally like like violent pornography it's such <coughs> like a, a dance like fucking da- it's like a dance song for some reason it, it, it just makes me so happy every time i listen to it um cigaro hilarious um, and probably so with System of Down in particular, um, I got into metal first and with like uh, Slipknot and Five Finger Death Punch. And I started to think this is a bit one dimensional. Mm. Like I didn't I didn't understand that there was like subgenres and stuff um, and different eras and stuff like that. Like I, I couldn't I couldn't grasp how it changed it, it changed throughout the years. Um, and then my mate said, have you listened to the band System of a Down? And from then on, I was hooked. And I think I downloaded every single thing they ever done to my <laughs> to my phone. And I listened to that for a whole summer and forgot about everything else I was listening to. That is all I listened to. And I was like, Mum, check out this song. They're talking about like all this shit. And it's like, why have you got a song called Violent Pornography on? <laughs> Brothers and sisters are listening. But yeah, no, this this album... It was it was hard to pick which one, but for for me personally, it just it's hard to say. Yeah, it just puts me in a better mood. But that's taking nothing away from Toxicity or or they're they're self titled. I mean, they are just the the fucking one of the best bands to do it. Um, yeah, you know, even even with the new songs they've put out, you know, it's been so long since they've put out a new record or new songs. Everyone was waiting tentatively to see if it's going to be any good. Even the new stuff's fucking great. Like, do you know what I mean? They've waited so long to put new new songs out. They put two new songs out. They're great. So 
they've not tainted their record just yet and yeah I love them so much I can't even <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that is really hard to speak about the best way to describe this with them is like wacky Mm. But I, I remember best best memories of System of Down is the first thing, the first song my little sister, um, she has cerebral palsy, she she can't she struggles to get words out and stuff. And the first song she ever learned uh, was Chop Suey. Amazing. <laughs> so oh, yeah, well, that's a, that's what if you can't like <laughs> get your words out, that's one to start on, isn't it? She, and she's every time it comes on, she'll pretend to eardrum playing the the, the drums. <laughs> And she will like hum along and sing along to the lyrics, and it's, <laughs> it's so funny because uh, at one point she just the only word she like can get out is, is suicide. <laughs> She's just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's really funny. But yeah, no, that's probably my fondest memory of that band. But yeah, they're 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 definitely probably what like opened my eyes to what else there is out there in terms of the metal scene and rock scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I I I like them. I'm not like a big like massive fan of them, to be honest. Like I can understand again. It's one of those I can understand why people like them. It's just uh, it's I think because I, I my when I saw them live, I downloaded a few years ago. I just I just, they just didn't really sort of tick any sort of boxes for me, if I'm honest. But you know, it's like I can understand again why they're they're as big as they are. I'm not like it's certainly not like Deftones. Like my opinion on them, I can understand why. Uh, system of down are, are so big, but for me, it's just uh, I don't know. I just, just never really gotten into it for some reason. I've tried, you know, just like you know, but they, you know, I've seen them live, and like if they play it download, I'd see them like live. There's very little I'd go and see, like if there's something else on, but yeah, That's fair. But I, yeah, I appreciate their, where they are in the world. Cool. What is your number 12, Andy? So, as someone who was born in 1986. <laughs> Obviously, my main growing up was in the 90s. So, as that is actually the law, that the, the 90s police rang me and they said, listen, if this isn't in your top 20, you're going to get arrested. So, I had to. So, my <laughs> number 12 is Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Um, okay. Interesting. <laughs> left field, left field. I like it. Um, I, I love this album so much. Like, it's... Uh, it's yeah, it's fantastic. So I'm just tightening up my uh, mic thing because it's starting to come loose. Do want something my mic to drop? Um, yeah, uh, it's 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 fucking brilliant. Like it's um, again, it was in the big pile of vinyl that I got when I first uh, um, got my turntable. So obviously, like the, the big song that's on it is ironic, and like the first time I actually ever heard that song and actually got into this album on the day that um, I actually first heard this album. Not, my older brother bought it in Woolworths. It's another throwback. Woolworths. Um, <laughs> as a family, we never really did very much. Uh, and, you know, it was just like my older brother and sister and my half-brother and sister, so they didn't live with us, they lived with their mum, but we all had the same dad. So they came over to visit. And uh, I remember this day so well. So it was quite rare for us to do anything as like a, a whole family. And my dad took us to play crazy golf and we all got an ice cream. And I said, we went to Morris, uh, Morrison's fucking hell, Woolworths. And we, and like my brother was like, <coughs> Oh, there's this song. It's, uh, it's this album, Jack and Little Pills. So I, by last one, I said, I was like, all right, cool. Uh, don't know what it is. Cause you heard the song ironic. I was like, Oh yeah, I've heard that. 
so anyway, uh, we went home and my dad got his finger chopped off. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I'll tell the story about now. So basically, um, my dad was talking to a next door neighbour about uh, babysitting and he was sort of like had his hand up on the door, he was sort of leaning on the door. And my older brother went and he opened up the back door, which made the front door slam on my dad's finger and it chopped his finger off. So my dad had to go to hospital. Oh. Later on that day, we... Uh, uh, it was a day that the you know the Doctor Who with Paul McGann film, yeah. the one based in America. Yeah, that was actually premiered that day in oh, okay. on TV. And then after that, we watched uh, Last Action Hero, and this is all on the day I discovered that that land is where I set. I remember it so well. Like my memory of this day is like it's like set in stone because of everything that happened around it. So that was like quite an introduction to it. But um, then my brother, I asked him, he, he actually did me a, a tape of it. Uh, and again, I listened to that so much. And again, much like Hybrid Theory, I've owned this album in like seven different like forms. I've owned it on CD about four or five times. I've had it on copies of uh, of cassettes a couple of times because like I think like as cassette players used to do, they used to chew up your tapes. So I'd have to like ask my brother to do me another tape for me. Um, you know, again, I, I might, it'll be in my wife's top ten as well. But Nicola was in her top twenty albums of all time. It's uh, it's a fantastic album. It's like the nineties um, in in an album. It's uh, it's like the soundtrack of the nineties. I know a lot of people say Oasis and stuff like that, and it wouldn't be wrong. But I think Alanis Morissette for the people that like our sort of music, uh, you know, it's it's brilliant. I think it's very much like you had to sort of grow up in the nineties to appreciate it. I don't know what yours two opinions on the album are. I can't say I've listened to it, but I have heard it been spoke about in high regard. So it's one I've got to check out. I mean, like, the thing is, like, for me, what was, like, a big thing was the song You Ought to Know, and I was listening to it, and she, um, there's a bit where she says, uh, and are you thinking of me when you fuck her? Now, as a younger person, that was the first time I actually heard a swear word in a song, <laughs> and for me, it was, like, a massive, like, hang on, you're allowed to swear in music? I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And, like... When I used to listen to the tape, I used to make sure I used to have to turn the bit down when she said fuck because I didn't want my mum and dad to know I was listening to music that said fuck in it and stuff. And as like a kid, you know, it was like, it was this amazing sort of thing. It was the first time I ever got into like an album like fully and I listened to it a million times. I used to like um, act out like, <laughs> oh God. I used to like sit in my bedroom and like listen to each other. I used to act out like a video to like, I used to make up the story of the song in my head. I so like Bruno Mars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just do that on the lazy song. That's what I've been doing for all the twenty and the beginning of twenty twenty one. Listen to a lazy song. Um, you know, I used to like you know used to act out the videos and like you know and I used to like literally pour over the lyrics and like I used to I, I still know the whole album back to front. You know, um, it's it's a fucking amazing album. Uh, it was so hard not to have this higher to be fair because. Uh, it is brilliant, but I just think, you, you know, it's uh, it's fantastic. And anyone my age as well will be agreeing with me massively. And it is, uh, it's, 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 it's brilliant. Um, the only thing I will say about this is that in the song you ought to know, there's a, a line where she says, it's not fair to remind me of the cross I bear that you gave to me. Now, when I was little and I was acting these out, I thought she said, it's not fair to remind me of the cross I'd bear that you gave to me. 
So, um, you know, obviously we say about misheard lyrics. Now, I always thought with the cross-eyed bear that you gave to me, because it was a song that I'm splitting up, was um, that, <laughs> you know, this this person gave this woman, and I thought it was metaphorical, as well as actually like a physical thing. So if someone gave you, like your partner gave you, a massive taxidermied cross-eyed bear, <laughs> and you've got like this fucking thing hanging around, and you're like, what am I going to do with this? And then they piss off, and you're not with them anymore. But you've still got this horrible, ugly thing that you can't get rid of because it's a fucking massive cross-eyed bear. And like, that's what I used to think. And then I thought, that made perfect sense. I'm thinking, like, in metaphorical terms, this person's left, and they've left behind this massive thing <laughs> behind in their life that she can't get rid of. And that's what I thought it meant, but it meant cross-eyed bear. But, yeah, that's... Uh... It's just funny how you interpret stuff as a kid. And my yeah. way still makes more sense than the cross-eyed bear that you gave to me, to be fair. But, yeah, it's a fucking brilliant album. And, like, if you're my age, which is 35, and you've not heard this album... You have any sort of passing interest in music, especially like indie music? It's, uh, it's it's brilliant. So, is it mine now? Yeah. It is. Yes. Okay. So, those of you who have made it this far, we are coming to the last one of this particular podcast. So, bear with us. We're we're nearly there, <laughs> and then you can listen to part two. Um, we are gonna we're gonna dive into nineteen ninety two with. In my opinion, I don't think there's many albums that will challenge this. The best debut album ever. It is the self-titled record by Rage Against the Machine. Now, I don't think there's okay. many. I don't think there's many records that can stand up to being as good as this record as a debut record. Um, I can think of one. Of course, you can. You little shitbag. <laughs> <laughs> um, this record to me is basically perfect now how I got into Rage Against the Machine is kind of a weird convoluted story basically my cousin used to be massively into Red Hot Chili Peppers and I always liked the Peppers because they had a lot of bass and a lot of funk in the music now when I got into more heavier stuff I was like I like that but I want it just a bit more gritty. I want it a bit more fired up. And then she went, you ever heard of Rage Against the Machine? I went, no. And the rest is history. <laughs> this album is perfection. Bomb track, Killing in the Name, Take Back to Power, Settle for Nothing, Bullet from the Head, Know Your Enemy, featuring Mayor James Keenan, Wake Up, Fistful of Steel, Township Rebellion, and Freedom. Coming in at 52 minutes, 55 seconds. Fucking perfection. Like, and the fact that we got it to uh, Killing the Name to number one on Christmas Day back in 2009, I think it was. Yeah, it was. um, You know, I have many, many fond memories of my nana. But one of my absolute favourites is sitting in her front room and having to explain to her what this song was about because <laughs> they had i remember we were listening to this on top of the pops and they had uh subtitles on for the lyrics because they couldn't understand Zack zach de la rocker and i just think how amazingly perfect this record is i love it i'm gutted they're not playing leads reading and leads but i'm happy they're back again a bucket list band i need to see what you guys saying about this record I'm the same with Rage Against the Machine as I am with System of a Down. Probably not as much, if I'm honest. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not, like... 
I'll be honest, I'm not massively in all. I don't hate them. It's just there's loads of other bands that I listen to over Rage Against the Machine. Um, yeah, that's about it, really, if I'm honest. Can, can, we, can we, like, just admit, though, that Tom Rollo is an absolute... Oh, yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. On the guitar, like, yeah. I have a guitar pick in Tom Rollo somewhere. Right yeah, he can do it. he can do things with a guitar that like nobody else like would ever think about doing. Yeah, you know, so I'm certainly not uh, saying anything about him because he's he's amazing. Yeah, it's nothing against him musically. It's just like there's a lot of other albums I'd rather listen to. That's about all, really. Fair, fair. Yeah, I, I have a t- I have a time and place for Rage's Machine, and that's when I feel rage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought you were about to, to say the bin, and I was about to kick off. Like. <laughs> no, no, no. I love Rage Against Machine. Uh, not, not an album listener, just hits kind of thing. But I'll just stick it on when I really want to. But I uh, was gutted that they were not playing Reddit because, yeah, no, there would have been. I don't know how many people have turned out, but the ones who turned out would have been there with a vengeance. Mate, <laughs> like, it, it would have been carnage. It'd have been so yeah. much fun. And to be fair, so Raging's Machine um, will heavily influence uh, in the next part one of my top albums because Ooh. rap and metal, not the... Yeah, I'm going to just chop, but yeah, it's heavily influenced one of my records later on. What is your number 12, number 11, Sar? So, you know, <laughs> I alluded to a bit of a weird choice. Mm. Um, this is it. So I couldn't decide... Which David Bowie album I wanted to put in. Oh, nice. I really, nice. really wanted a David Bowie album in there. I was like, right, which one? They're all fucking amazing. Um, and then I thought, what? why do I like David Bowie? And it was like, right, it's because my mum, she showed me a film. And it was The Labyrinth. So my pick is the soundtrack to Labyrinth. Right. Before you get uh, any, with, before you get any further... Jones. Before you get any further, I've got to say something really quick, right? I've never seen this film, right? But it is my girlfriend's... It is my girlfriend's favourite film, and she loves it, and I don't fucking understand it. I've watched it. I don't get it. It's... Yeah. It's... Yeah. Carry on. Uh, Kelsey. If Kelsey listens to this podcast, she'd be like, turn it off. Yeah. You're a mummy of the babe. <laughs> the babe with the power. What power? power? What power? power the voodoo. <laughs> oh, what a fucking film that is! It's Kelsey's favourite film, and like she loves David Bowie. And to be honest, Reese, this is another album I have on vinyl. Well, Kelsey has it on vinyl, and it's fantastic. But go on, sorry, it's your pick. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, there's there's not too much to say about it because a lot of it's um, instrumental. But the instrumentals throughout the film match the tone of the film so well, and David Bowie, bit creepy in it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, but it's, oh, it's so good. It's, it, for me, it's just childhood memories, you know. Like my mum passed it down to me from watching it, and the songs on it are really good. Like, the, 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 um, is it um, what song is it? Is it within you? The, when they're at the ball, that's I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, no, such a good film, such good music in the film. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like a musical, but it kind of is. And I'm not a massive fan of musicals, but oh, I, I love the film. Uh, and I thought, like, in terms of most important to me, that was the gateway. So I had to go in there. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's like, 
I mean, the film itself is is brilliant. I remember when we first introduced it to Kelsey, and like she is obsessed with it. I think like pretty much once a week I'll go into her bedroom and she's watching it. Um, you know, I think she knows it back to front, left, right, up and down. Like she knows every single thing about that film, uh, and she loves absolutely loves David Bowie. And I think, to be fair, I think that was really good that you went for that. Also, I think when you go for Aladdin Sane or you go for Diamond Dogs, you go, even Black Star would have been a really good shout. So when you said that, you know, uh, the Labyrinth soundtrack, I thought it was a fantastic pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. It's uh, it's brilliant. One one thing I will say is I'm shocked that Reese is actually the one that brought a bit of class to proceedings. Like the majority <laughs> of the picks so far are pretty predictable, but you're the one that brought out the complete left turn and was like, "Oh, I didn't see that one coming." But no, that's that's sick. Andy, take us home. Yeah, so I've got nine words. <laughs> Can you tell from the look in our eyes? Can you this tell is- from the look in our eyes? Yes. Sem Paternal by Bring Me the Horizon. Um, it's it's Perfect. just perfect, you know. It's, <laughs> like, it is the thing is, is like this is the album that like got me into uh, Bring Me. The, well, say got me into. I wouldn't say I was a massive Bring Me the Horizon fan, if I'm honest. You know, I don't don't mind the later stuff, but this album is front to back. It's it's amazing. It's so good. Like I said, like with. Um, Shadow Moses, which is actually like the middle song of the album. Um, when I first heard that, I remember like literally just laying on, on the sofa after listening to uh, Merlin Ormslade on about how the podcast go on about. And I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a go. And I listened to it and I was like, this is amazing. This is so good. Uh, and then when the album came out, I mean, I listened to it over and over and over and over again. And it's like, you know, with uh, songs like Antivis and they're like, middle fingers up, if you don't give a fuck. You know, it's like that sort of like, it felt, I felt like, uh, even though I was an adult, I felt like that angst again. It was cool. And then, like, um, it's also got one of the best uses of the word cunt in it as well. It's like, it's like, you know, if you say I'm a fool, who stands for nothing? Nothing. Well, to that, <laughs> I say you're a cunt. You know, it's like, and again, it's not like, it's so yeah. juvenile but so great at the same time <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah but I mean like you know you've got like Sleepwalking Go to Hell for Heaven's Sake it's a really really good song um, and it's it's very similar to uh, you can see the Lincoln Park uh, influences in there uh, and I know it's something that when I actually saw Lincoln Park in 2014 which is actually the first time I saw Britain's Horizon uh, Mike Schneider actually went on stage and we actually went, oh, I've got early uh, Sykes at the, uh, at the side of the stage here. And he's, uh, he, you know, you know, I can see him watching me and I can understand like where where they are at the moment sort of thing. And it was like, yeah, it was so good. For me, I was really disappointed. That's, I think that's why I sort of fell off so much hard with them after this album. Like, as quickly as I went in, I sort of went off again. But even though I'm actually back in again now, I've seen them live at, in Middlesbrough a couple of years ago. Uh, I actually appreciated their stuff after this a bit more when seeing it live. Yeah, they're just... They're, yeah. How much of a disappointment that's the spirit was to me? Because the songs they released, uh, like uh, True Friends, that's the spirit. Um, happy Song. Brown, happy Song, yeah, yeah. When they came out, they were amazing. They Throne, you know, I mean, Throne is very much like a... Sounds very much like a Linkin Park song. So I was like, I can't wait for this. And then the album came out and I was like, oh shit, it's just in like five songs. There's like four songs grouped together. And then that was it. And I was so disappointed. I think I listened to it like twice. I was like, oh, this is crap. And then, uh, yeah, when I've gone back to it now, I, I like it a lot more. But 
again, this is one of the albums. A lot of these albums, like, you know, when I bought my turntable, I bought loads of albums because I got a bonus uh, at work and I was like, right, buy my turntable and I'm buying all the albums. And uh, this was one of them. So, yeah, so it's uh, it's brilliant. What are you saying, Reese? I'm saying really good album. Uh, I think, I, I do think their new, their new EP, <laughs> uh, the post-human survival, I'm not going to say the full name, mm. uh, <laughs> um, is on par with it. I think it's a massive return to form. But yeah, no, uh, my uncle actually got me on, on Bringing Horizon with this episode, but, but yeah, they're really good. I I love Sepaternal, but for me, com- being completely honest, I do prefer uh, There Is a Hell, just because there's a little bit more, a little bit more experimentation. But if you're talking about the one, the one that absolutely cements them as the biggest band in the UK, it's definitely that one, and it's undeniable. So, what a fantastic band! What a fantastic record! And for the record, I've followed them since day one, and they have not disappointed me since so i fucking love that band um that is it that is end of part one um we will go from 10 down to one in part two which um i imagine i'll probably uh upload directly after this one so you should have it in the next sort of hour or so after finishing this one so yeah enjoy part two we'll see you very soon bye guys bye bye Thank you.